and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. <laughs> the show where you listen to a couple people uh, drink some drinks and talk about a movie. And uh, this is another uh, very special episode that we've got here. Uh, I'm Mike Burge, the host of this podcast, It Me. This is my voice. And um, today we are uh, continuing our Marvel uh, mini-series, uh, getting ready for Avengers Infinity War, coming out April 27th of the year 2018, that we are currently in, but you might not be. Um, and what we're doing is uh, we've already done uh, Phase 1 in the Avengers, and we also covered uh, on a separate episode The Incredible Hulk from 2008, the Edward Norton joint. Uh, and now I am joined once again to go over Phase 2 and Avengers Age of Ultron, the lovely, talented, energetic... <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Diana DeMuro. Hello. Uh, so you were on the last one with me. We did the Avengers in Phase 1, so now we're going to be kind of tackling Phase 2 leading up to Age of Ultron. Uh, quick side note, we are not going to be counting Ant-Man as part of this episode. It is considered part of Phase 2, but it came out after Age of Ultron, and so we're pretty much building up to that. And we're going to save Ant-Man for our Phase 3 episode that we're going to be having coming up in a couple weeks uh, since we're not going to have an Avengers movie to talk about in that one anyway because we're recording that before we go see Infinity War and then we're going to do works. a hot take with yeah. Jack and Robbie. So we're going to save Ant-Man for later. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, a Avengers Age of Ultron, it's another Joss Whedon joint. Uh, we recently rewatched it. I think it was maybe the third or fourth time I'd seen it since it came out. I think it was like it, the third time I've seen it, Yeah, it's but not that, recently. It's been a long time. Yeah, that was rusty in my mind. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, it's, I remember when it first came out, I had some problems with it. I was really excited for it. And yeah, I obviously. don't think it met my expectations right. after the first one. Yeah, I think that it's it I think it's superior to the Avengers in some ways and inferior in other ways. Ooh. And it kind of just depends on I want to hear about that. Which of those ways like matter more when I'm going to see a movie or when I'm going to see a superhero movie. I feel like it's not as tight as the first one, but I know we'll get well, into that. And so yeah, it's like I think that the first one is tight, but I think that the pacing in this one is a little bit harder to keep up and they do kind of keep it up the movie's a little bit of a mess and i think that really kind of comes from in case you don't know burnout <laughs> well he was burnt out i mean they they found out after this like oh so now we need to get two people to make avengers movies because we broke joss whedon yeah because uh, they broke joss whedon broke the internet yeah he like went off too. of twitter after this movie he, he stopped pretty much making movies i mean he was almost about to do the batgirl movie but he backed out of that. Um, it's yeah, the movie is about two and a half hours long, and originally the original cut that Joss Whedon made was over three hours long. Oosh. And the way that I've always stuck up for the movie in my mind, which now I don't have to, because after rewatching it, I can say that the movie has aged much better once you once it's firmly removed from the hype. I think it's a lot more entertaining. Yes and no. But we can, yeah, absolutely. I agree too. Yeah. We can talk about that when we get to the, the sure. movie. But I think it's important to know that Joss Whedon is a guy who he really likes characters and he likes every little tiny thing mattering and like and building up to either a moment or a gag or something like that. And when he's presented with uh, you're like, all right, you have to make an Age of Ultron. You have to make an Ultron Avengers, Avengers versus Ultron movie. And. 
You also need to incorporate these two new characters. You have to start setting up Civil War. You need to include some stuff with the Infinity Stones because we're building towards Infinity War. Also, you need to do this and you need to have Andy Serkis in there as this to build up for... He has to do all of uh, uh, the Thor thing too, which is like the craziest one. He had to do all of these things and the only way he could figure out a way to naturally do that in his Joss Whedon way was to make a movie that was over three hours long. And so when they went in and they cut out over 40 minutes of stuff, you're going to start getting like, why is Thor in mm. like I think a you're getting pool? a little bit ahead though. Well, I'm just stating okay. the argument that I had up until now where I would defend Age of Ultron and kind of say, yeah, it's got its problems. But I think at the end of the day, those problems are really due to the post-production that happened to it. And I think that the movie as itself now removed from that idea, removed from the hype of it being the new Avengers movie mm. after the first one. Will it live up to it? Especially after how great Phase 2 was. it's it, Once you're removed from it, you can kind of take it in and go, yeah, the movie's a little rushed, but I think at the end of the day, it's a really entertaining comic book movie. It's one of the best like comic book movies I've ever seen. It looks like a comic book. Hmm. What did you think of Age of Ultron after we just rewatched it? Oh, well, I kind of thought we were going to build up to it more. You want to build up to it more? I thought that we were going to go through the phase a little bit Let's to work do up it. to it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, before we move on, actually, I forgot. On Over Drinkers, we have a themed beverage. And today we mixed together a special cocktail, which I'm pretty sure is the cocktail that Black Widow makes uh, Bruce Banner in the party scene in Avengers Age of Ultron. It's called A Russian Kiss. Uh, it's red and it's in a martini glass uh, served with a garnish. So like, and that's what it looks like. So it's essentially um, uh, vodka, grenadine, uh, muddled uh, maraschino cherries, and uh, a little bit of club soda. It looks very pretty. It's very delicious. So cheers to you. Did you try it? I did not yet. No. Oh, okay. Well, Pink. let's see. Ooh. Wow, that's sweet. Yeah, it's a lot of grenadine in there. Whoa! Pretty that's, delicious. That's quite tasty. Yum. But not for the faint of heart. No. There's some booze in there. Yes. Oh. So, uh... So you want to do a little more Ultron first? No, or did no, no. you want to work your way up towards it? Yeah, we can work our way up to, like, really discussing it in the second half and everything. I just okay. kind of wanted to get down... Lay some ground This is what I was thinking about the movie before going in. It's what I remembered of it from, like, my rusty memory. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, I will totally start talking about the first uh, Phase 2 Marvel movie. All right, man. And that is... Iron Man 3. Yes, it is. Written and directed by Shane Black. Good guy. S such a special movie. <laughs> it was like, you know, one of the first movies where, like, besides the Avengers, like, the writer-director was kind of given complete control over it. And, like, he kind of do his own thing. And, you know, no more... Uh, no more happy directing it. What's his name? John Favreau. <laughs> John yeah. Favreau. There still, we go. He's still Brain in. He's still fart. in there as happy. Yeah. <laughs> he's still in there, but he's not directing. Which I almost thought they were going to kill him off too. Really? In Iron Man three. Well, because remember in Iron Man three, he kind of gets like well blown. I mean, apart he's, almost. he's still like an executive producer on the movie, though, right? Isn't oh he? yeah. So I mean, he still got his hands in there, but he sort of scaled it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm just peeking quickly at Shane Black and. 
looking at some of his other stuff. Oh, and Shane Black is... Uh, I never like, saw the Nice Guys. I still haven't seen yeah. them. Yeah, Nice Guys was really good. He's really known for, like, Lethal kiss, Weapon. Kiss, bang, bang. kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Right. Is where he became really good friends with Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. So mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm. Yeah, he's a solid dude. He's actually making the um, the new uh, Predator movie. Really? It's coming out soon, yeah. I did not know that. Pretty stoked about that one. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's supposed to be, like, Predator versus, like, the suburbs. Yeah, if it's that's Shane Black element. doing it, like we'll see. It's not Predator's element. As long as it takes place around Christmas, like that's another thing too. Uh, Shane Black is really well known for constantly movies. having movies that he's either directing or that he wrote take place during Christmas, like Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and right. Iron Man Three takes place around Christmas, just like for fun. He didn't have to do it. It doesn't really do anything to the story, uh, except for like just a couple of uh, lines of dialogue. I was say booze cherry. Sorry, those are really good. Yeah, good. I'm glad you like it. So, I think it, upon rewatching Iron Man three, like I had a memory of it, but I didn't quite realize how broken Tony Stark is. Mm-hmm. Like he's super PTSD after the Avengers. Totally, and that's kind of like the main motivation for the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I- kind of like the idea of somebody being in their bunker with all of their guns mm-hmm. waiting waiting for the zombie apocalypse well yeah and he's uh, this is actually i think a lot of the things that he's doing in iron man 3 where he's making all of these different robot suits and everything to be right. able to prepare for the worst that could possibly happen comes back in age of ultron where ultron is essentially tony stark's son and he's doing the same thing he's building better versions of himself right as he goes on and he's also got his iron fleet by then yeah and i mean the marvel movies are filled with uh like bad dads, uh, it's just a really good classical thing where it's like a person who wants to be a good person by coming from so- like Iron Man One was about Tony Stark trying to uh, get past like the sins of his past, where Stark Industries was a weapons manufacturer, and right. Iron Man Two was him having to deal with uh, the bad decisions that his his father made. You know that he never really got to know all that well. Um, and Iron Man Three is him dealing with the fallout of now he sees like. He's like this genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. He's got everything and he's a superhero and he's Iron Man and he's on the Avengers. And then he gets a peek at the end of the Avengers into the wormhole and he sees... Yeah, they don't have... They're not going to be able. able There's no way. Yeah, so this is the beginning of him coming to terms with the idea. Iron Man 3 is all about, you know, Tony Stark coming to terms with his own mortality and his own uh, fallibilities and understanding that it's not just like, you know, the suit isn't Iron Man. He's the one that made the suit. And without the suit, which they take it away from him, and he's still able to kick some ass. Right. But ultimately, he needs the suit to be able to do superhero stuff because without that, he's just a genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. But he's still a fucking genius. (laughs) But I also like that, like, I mean, it's... A common theme in the first two, but by Iron Man 3, it's really hits home on he's no longer like a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. He has now really kind of tied himself to Pepper Potts and he he loves his bodyguard happy mm-hmm. and like he's got people that are important to him now that he's kind of fought alongside the Avengers, he wants to protect them. And so a lot of his kind of like reactionary things in Iron Man 3 are based on fear. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of the people he cares about being hurt yeah, or taken this is away. Especially with, you know, the the main antagonist be, 
quote unquote antagonist being uh, the Mandarin and the way the Mandarin is presented in this movie is very much, um, you know, uh, uh, Middle Eastern terrorism on United States and first world countries. Right. It's very much dealing with the PTSD of the Avengers final battle is considered all throughout the rest of this series. And even like going into like the Netflix shows and Agents of Shield, it's always referred to as like the incident. It's yeah. it is nine eleven. It's a it's a it's a metaphor. It's a large scale for, yeah, catastrophe for nine yeah. eleven. And it's Tony Stark is this guy that's dealing with the PTSD of being at ground zero, right? And getting to see something that nobody else saw, and he doesn't know who to share it with. And he's got all these people around him that he now cares about. But Tony Stark, as like a personality, hasn't really changed since that first time we saw him being a dickhead in like an army van before it got blown up. Like That's he's true. still he he him calling out the Mandarin like on the phone and yeah. giving him his address like Pepper lives there. Right. What exactly. are you doing? Yeah, and, it's sort of like the getting poked until mm-hmm. he finally just reacts. And yeah, then it's also the same thinking thing. he can fix it and not worrying about getting help from somebody else. Right. It's the same thing yeah. with Happy. He like pushes Happy and being like, just do your job security, blah blah blah. Like yeah. treating him kind of uh, haphazardly as if Happy like isn't to be taken seriously, which leads Happy to be like, well, no, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And he right. follows that guy and he almost gets him killed. And Tony knows that he's the one that almost got Happy killed. Right. And that's why he's like, his immediate response is not try and fix something. It's to attack pretty much like his line from the Avengers. He has a plan attack. Yeah. And all throughout Iron Man three, he just keeps digging himself deeper and deeper which is another thing that comes up in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Where Tony Stark's uh, pride and confidence is just kind of pushing him in the wrong direction where he's hurting the people around him and putting the world at stake. I think the other big thing, too, for, like, the idea of, um, like, maybe not not paying enough heed to certain people earlier on in your life or, like, not giving credit where you think it's due because then you've got, like, Guy Pierce's character... And you've got, um, what is her name? Rebecca Hall. Like oh, you've yeah. got, you've got those two characters Both from of that them flashback. Are phenomenal in this too. Yeah. And they're also supposed to be geniuses in their own right. Mm-hmm. Who he kind of just like, is like, you're hot. We're going to make out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Guy Pierce's character, Killian. Eh, you're a nerd. He's, and you're being creepy. Leave us alone. He's so good as he's this so character. Good. I know that like. <laughs> The end of the movie kind of like kind of blows up into this like yeah, it gets big a little fest. Too much. And, but I'm gonna go on the record right now and say like as we're talking about these movies, and I don't know if I made this clear in the first one, I like big like CGI filled bombastic endings. It's, it's a crazy, fun way though. to end a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like as far as like the evil powers in this movie, like the idea of all the you know genetically modified the extremists, people, yeah, being able to like essentially melt people or blow people up. It's cool. It's a cool concept, but it doesn't always look cool. No, not always. It looks a little silly sometimes. I I really like how they got that one dude, and I can't remember his name now, and he was like blowing up at one point. He looks like fake Jason Stratham. (laughs) He looks like fake Jason Statham. Yes, he does. (laughs) I love how he's like always eating gum or hard candy, and there's that one scene of him like rebuilding himself, and he puts the hard candy in his mouth, and he's like walking through and like rebuilding himself. It's Cool. No, I, yeah, no, 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 I, no, I know. I I know. It's, it's just, like a starfish growing yeah. its own arm back, which in theory is awesome. Yeah, but. and I, uh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin, as the Mandarin fake out. I like Ben Kingsley better once he reveals that he's just a hack actor. Mm-hmm. 
than Ben Kingsley being scary Mandarin. I think he's really good at both. <laughs> really? I think that him as the Mandarin with that, with that voice, you know, it's, <laughs> that was the voice that they were using to market all this crazy stuff. Like mm. the 10 rings were uh, like hinted at in the first one uh, with the people that kidnapped him was from the 10 rings and everything. And also too, I don't know if you've watched any of the, these are like things that people forgot about. Uh, they used to do one shots of okay. Marvel yeah. where they on the DVD so like when you bought Thor the Dark World which was the movie that came out yeah. after Iron Man 3 on the DVD there would be a one shot that was a link to Iron Man 3 and it was all hail the king and it was Ben Kingsley's character going to jail and when he gets to jail everybody thinks he's the Mandarin or they think he's a fake blah 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 and he's like trying to figure out a way to like survive in prison and he eventually gets pulled into like a conference room where these people are like how dare you uh blah 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 do all this who put you up to it and he's like oh Guy Pierce's character is uh Eldrin Kelly he did it and they're like well the master would like to meet you and they kidnap him and that's the end huh. so it's the idea that there really is a Mandarin because the Mandarin is a huge character from the comics okay and so treating it in a way where he was just like this kind of fluke cheek, yeah. yeah I mean Guy Pierce kind of like he's got a dragon and the Mandarin is like he's affiliated with dragons yeah and he even Guy Pierce says like I am the Mandarin, but I guess the, if we're taking the one shots into continuity, the whole idea is that there is another Mandarin, a real Mandarin out there that Guy Pierce was just ripping off to try and sell his war on crime, and he hired Ben Kingsley huh. to not impersonate, but just like be an imposter and do his version of what he wanted the Mandarin to be. So okay. we might see it, huh. or Iron Man will die in Infinity War. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. We can talk about that during our phase three totally. for our theories, because mm -hmm. that is something I want to discuss. Who do you think will die? Because I have my own theory. Oh yeah, I'm we'll, sure say, we'll save that. We'll save that for the next one. Let's yeah, see. yeah. Um, anything else on Iron Man three? I really like the fight scenes. The fight choreography is great. I mean, it is kind of fun. That whole end sequence on the boat is pretty fun. The idea of mm -hmm. uh, Pepper getting to actually save Iron Man at the end, kind of fun. Cool. You know, it's all right. It's fun. It's okay. And then he blows everything up in a big spectacle. Pretty yeah. fun. Little fireworks. Yeah, little fireworks. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's again, it's uh, the Marvel movies, especially at this point, like Iron Man 3, I think is the beginning of them really forming where they want to go. And I think Winter Soldier is the ultimate distillation of like what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is trying to do. Mm. And Iron Man 3 is dealing with these heavy ideas like PTSD and... Um, I do like the sequences of him and the little kid in the small town. Uh, the kid that might be Nova? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, I kind of like that idea of like, you know, and, and we'll kind of touch on it in uh, Age of Ultron too, but like Tony having issues and then needing to fix or build something to work it out. Of course, yeah, that's is, that's his you know, thing. Quote unquote, a, a mechanic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's know? like so. uh, the entire metaphor behind RoboCop is yeah. like they can fix anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you want to move on to uh, little old uh... <laughs> uh, the Dark World, Thor, the Dark World. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like Loki in it. Man, so, Loki's so good. He's yeah. the only saving grace, in my opinion. Cool, yeah. So this. you want to move on to Captain America, the Winter Soldier? We can, or, uh, no, we so, can talk about this. <laughs> we can just talk about like the best sequences that you, you think Loki's dead and he's not. That's the best. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, I like that he takes over. Loki takes over at the end and yeah. he's, he's uh, pretending to be Odin. Cause, um, Remind me what happens to Odin. Does he just... 
Loki just takes over? I, th- I can't totally remember. I don't this even is know one if that it's like seen. I wanted to rewatch for the yeah, podcast, but I'm just like we didn't get to I it. couldn't pull myself to do it. I was gonna do it like two, two or three nights yeah. this week, and I just didn't. it's all right. So it's I mean, right. the general idea is like the, the, they they the, um, the parts on Earth seriously drag and i don't care about natalie portman parts yeah yeah so i don't really care about jane or i mean the overall story is not all that interesting it really just it introduces the reality stone which is the ether the red that's what i was wondering i couldn't remember what yeah stone the ether was supposed to be yeah so the ether is the oh oh, at this point is the second infinity stone to be revealed because first avenger in the avengers tesseract it's the tesseract is the is the space stone but we also know that now that Loki's scepter is the Mind Stone, which we'll get to uh, in Age of Ultron. So Thor the Dark World presents the idea of the Reality Stone, which at the end which of... does what? The Reality Stone does that. It, it can change reality. It can, like, fuck around with reality. There's a, I, I don't know if there's How's a reason... different from the Mind Stone? The Mind Stone is... Um, it can control people's minds. Yeah. It's... The way that they're presented in the movies... You have to try and like really kind of hold down on it because the stones in some cases have been weaponized. So like the mind stone is like blasting off stuff and the Tesseract can make weapons that blast off stuff. And the power stone that we eventually see in Guardians of the Galaxy can blast off stuff. So it seems that the power created by the stones can be harnessed into tools that just like shoot stuff. But the stones themselves, when they're utilized for what they're supposed to be used for... Uh Um, can do very specific things. And the whole idea is that whoever has all all five of them is just like, or all six of them. I can never fucking remember this shit. Ah, oh, you figured this out last time. I know. It's because there's, there's, it's, it's, there's six of them. There's six of them. <laughs> uh, it's, um, you, you know, you can control space, reality, time, power. Soul. Uh, the soul. Like you can have all of these things and you can. Kia soul. Yeah. Okay. The, the time one is the one that I always forget about and that's the Doctor Strange one. Okay. Um, all right. But yeah, it's it's mainly set, it's to set up the ether, which at the end of the movie, uh, the collector gets it from uh, the Warriors 3. And, uh, it's, and it's also to set up the idea that Odin's not in control. Odin's not in control, which isn't really a big deal when we get to Thor Ragnarok. It's more just kind of like, oh, like he's not there. Where is he? Mm-hmm. And it leads to like Taika Waititi creating like really like the only good dad in the. Well, I guess Michael Douglas is a pretty good dad. He's kind of a shithead. Those are all Ant Man. Yeah, but we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, talk yeah. about Ragnarok. Yeah. But Thor: The Dark World. I mean, there's really just like the movie was rushed. Uh, Patty Jenkins. Was supposed to direct it. She got kicked off. Uh, Alan Taylor, I believe, who's an HBO kind of hired gun dude. He created like a bunch of shows on HBO. He kind of came in and he finished it up. And he did a fine job. I just think like the problems with the Dark World really relied on like the script. They laid in the script and wasn't really just like a bunch of good stuff. Yeah. Loki's good. Tom Hiddleston as Loki is fucking fantastic. Chris Hemsworth as Thor is amazing. Natalie Portman as Jane just she's all right. is. No, yeah. just is. She's like all right. a, she's all right. She's phoning it in. That's what I mean. She's all right. Yeah, she's not fun, great. Yeah. So Tom Hiddleston, he kind of carries it, and uh, yeah, that's fun. Love skip watching over that. Anthony Hopkins. 
Wow, these cherries are boozy. Booze cherry. That's delicious. Who's the actor that plays the scary elf? I'm going to check that real I quick. I don't. I don't know. He's probably some... Christopher Eccleson. Oh, wait. I know who that is. Oh, yeah. That guy. He's like buried under everything. He's, do- so he's one of the Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the seventh Doctor, I think, or something. Oh, I don't know about God, that. Oh, God. No, wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't mean that. Doctor Who fans, I'm so sorry. I don't, yeah, don't, I don't watch it. So know. I don't know. You don't watch. No, I think it's like he's like the sixth or seventh. He was the first. Uh, the, when Doctor Who came back after its long break and it was like revitalized of the new one, right? I think it was like series six or series seven. He was the first one yeah. who wore the leather jacket. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I know kind of what's going on. Oh, okay. He was the one with the bad attitude. All right. Well, on that note, Thor the Dark World was the one with the bad attitude. Yes, it was. So now let's go on to another bad attitude, but a much tighter, better film, in my opinion. Dude. Captain America Winter Soldier, which is one of my favorites. It's one of the best Marvel movies. If one not, of the best. I'd say the Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy are the two in the in the Marvel franchise that work as movies on their own. Definitely. I feel like when I, you know, coming into watching the Marvel movies, this was the first one that I was really like, this is great as its own little movie. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wanted to know what was going to happen after. And that could be in the context of another Captain America movie, or it could be, you know, carried on into other Marvel films, but mm-hmm. it was it was so contained with its own story, and the fight scenes are awesome. Um, it's like the first movie too, where you really get a little bit more of not the backstory because that's more Age of Ultron, but like more camaraderie between him and Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, you this get is like, like more a, it's like a half development. Yeah, if Civil War is technically an Avengers movie, yeah. the Winter Soldier is kind of like a. Half the Avengers, you yeah. know, it's Black Widow and Captain America, Nick Fury, and then you get like uh, the Falcons introduced. I love Anthony Mackie. The, He's uh, great. Anthony Mackie destroys it at this movie. Plus just like that whole sequence of the like on your left, like running, oh, yeah. running the laps around, mm-hmm. like that is a great way to introduce this character and this new like relationship between them. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Captain America's list right. in the movie was... um. Right, right, right. Was left over from things that were dropped from the Avengers. Because oh. one of the things that Joss Whedon really wanted to do in the Avengers, but it was cut for time, even before they started like shooting, was he wanted to kind of bring in the idea of Captain America trying to... Assimilate. Assimilate into Catch this new up world. Catch a bit, yeah. And so I think that whole notepad thing and the whole the whole subplot of the uh, in the Winter Soldier of him trying to figure out how what his place in this world is supposed to be right. was kind of taken from the Avengers uh, floor and like thrown into this one. And the movie is all the better for it. Because you're dealing with, you know, Bucky, right. who's the Winter Soldier, and Steve, who is Captain America. And they're both these kids that are out of time. And and they're being utilized and souped up for completely different reasons. Right. And then Captain America realizes that, no, he's actually being used for the exact same thing. Because Winter Soldier has one of the greatest things in a franchise. I don't care if it's three films or 18 films. One of the biggest reveals, which is that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been uh, infiltrated by HYDRA for a very long time, and they have integrated themselves within S.H.I.E.L.D. Which makes total sense. It makes total sense, and it's such a great way to go. So at that point, when those when that came out, were you watch, when did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first come out? No. So this is really cool. Because be- that 
kind of tied in? Or yeah, no? it really... I, I kind of remember there being some buzz about that. This was a big thing, and I don't... I'm not going to say any specifics outside of The Winter Soldier for people that haven't seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Because I've only watched the first three seasons. Yeah, because I haven't seen it. Um, And I like the show a lot. I just... I don't have the time to get to it. And eventually, once it's over, I'll, I'll crush it. But the way that this happened is... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts out, and the first, like, 14 episodes are very just, like, procedural kind of stuff. It's a lot in the same way, like, the way Hannibal, that show, starts off as, like, a cop procedural drama, and then something happens, and it switches into what the show really is. Right. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts out as just kind of like a Smallville, Buffy the Vampire Slayer cop show, which is all fine and fun, but it was a little boring. And then once the, win- once the Winter Soldier came out on Friday... The episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Sunday dealt with the fallout like it was happening at the same time. Okay. And it's revealed to us that a main character who has been a main character on the show has been Hydra the whole time. Right. Which is a big deal. Which is a very – multiple characters actually. And it's a very big deal because it all of a sudden changes the dynamic of all of these characters that we've been getting to know for about 14 episodes. I wonder if those actors knew that or not going in. I'd imagine or at if least that was like a surprise. I, there I would imagine at least two of them knew. Knew. Because they became big bad guys. Uh, and so I think that that's why they were hired. I see. Um but I don't want to give away too much of yeah. it because it was really interesting. I was really happy that I was watching Agents of Shield at that time. Right. To be able to like get that little one two punch of like, oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah. Um and then like the rest of the show for like the next like eight episodes was like our heroes trying to figure out like who's Hydra and who's S.H.I.E.L.D.? What's going on? Exactly. And I kind of, I like the idea of um, kind of this like weird battle between the older, essentially like the older folks of S.H.I.E.L.D. where you've got Robert Redford's character kind of coming to terms with with uh, Nick Fury and them kind of battling each other and sort of like a power play. Pierce? Uh... Alexander Pierce, it Got says. Got it. Um, so I kind of like that because they're sort of like the, <laughs> they're like the the Wizard of Oz. They're like the men behind the curtain. And now mm. they're kind of in the forefront where it's sort of like, we're having a board meeting. We're going to decide what S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Nick Fury being like, no. And then them trying to take him out of the equation. So we get some good Kobe Smothers action. What else? We got... Um, I mean, and can we just, like, think for a second here? Like, Robert Redford was in a Marvel movie. It's pretty funny. It's sort of weird. I think people just kind of let that happen and not realize, like, that's a pretty big deal. Like, <laughs> that's that's Sundance, dude. <laughs> he is Sundance. He that is, is true. He is Sundance. He made the belts in that catalog. He's it. He's, <laughs> he's really... I, and uh, Sebastian Stan, right? The guy that plays Bucky. He's he, great. Is it Sebastian Stan or Sebastian Shaw? It's Stan. Stan, good. Yeah. Um, he finally gets something to do because he's kind of knocked out early in the first Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. But in this, he gets to really he's he, he broods very well. Yeah. Well, he's a good brooder. It's also the idea that like it's kind of scary. It's it's the same as in the first Avengers where Hawkeye's like, oh yeah, if somebody plays with your mind. Oh yeah. Bucky's got that whole like secret agent with the code words to make him flip back into being Winter Soldier and then them like shock therapy wiping his brain clean mm-hmm. each time. And this is from a uh the Winter Soldier was one of the the, the storyline in the comics was one of the last um comic arcs that I read before I stopped reading comics and it was by Ed Brubaker. 
Uh, and he just like completely redefined, like brought Bucky back, like up until, you know, like, um, must have been like the mid aughts, like around 2006, 2007, like up until then, all the way from back in like the sixties and Bucky was dead. Okay. Like, that was the whole idea. It's like Captain America lost his only good buddy. And then all of a sudden they were just like, nope, he's a bad guy now. And it's kind of the same way that they did with uh, Batman. One of the Robins got killed by Joker and he eventually came back as yeah. Red Hood. And it's like these things happened right around the same time where one was Marvel and one was DC. And they were dealing with this idea of like taking this character and what if like the most tragic thing that ever happened to them? What if all of a sudden it came back in a way that they were going to have to figure out a mystery and deal with? how they feel about it right captain america always blamed himself for like not making bucky stay behind or not being able to save bucky and all and in the in the comics in this one he fell off a train he lost his good buddy who always used to protect him when he needed it and he wasn't able to protect him that time well plus it's also the idea of like he and and it goes way more into it in in civil war but like the idea of you know forgiving your friend even though you you know that they've done some horrible things like forgiving yourself yeah yeah well i mean i'm yeah bucky forgiving himself i feel like that's going to come into play even more in the new avengers but i definitely think for this one it's kind of like and then civil war too like he, he's like i gotta save bucky even mm-hmm. though it's he's not getting through to him just yet mm-hmm. it's, I he mean, spends most of the movie like trying to struggle with Winter Soldier and having these glimpses of Bucky remembering Steve. Mm-hmm. You know? It's the Winter Soldier and Civil War, both being Captain America movies, are really, really good sequels, like partners totally. to each other yeah, because totally. they really kind of inform each other. And there's just a couple things that you would need from Age of Ultron, such as like the introduction of certain characters and stuff. But beyond that, really, there's right. nothing else going on. Age of Ultron yeah. introduces the idea of the of the Tony Steve thing, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, the Winter Soldier, especially with Bucky and Steve's storyline, is very much like left on the wind at the end of this movie. Right. And it kind of... I I love that sequence at the very end when he's kind of like going to visit this uh, like fake Museum of Natural History exhibit Mm -hmm. on Captain America and Mm -hmm. then like seeing pictures of himself. I love Bucky's theme song too. It's good. You know that... Yeah, the music in this is awesome. So good. Because <laughs> it, it does have that like weird like Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor kind of mechanical oh, yeah. aspect to it, which and he, is also He kind of looks him. like Trent Reznor a little a bit. A little bit. He's got he some lo- sensitive hair. Bucky, Bucky <laughs> looks like how if you've never seen Emo what Bucky. Trent Reznor looks like, yeah. that's what you think Trent Reznor yeah. looks like. That's right. That's what he looks like. Yeah. So then um, like the big takeaways from the end of this are that, you know, so S.H.I.E.L.D. is kaput. Essentially. Shield is kaput. Nick and Fury goes into hiding. Nick Fury is alive, but goes into hiding. Mm-hmm. And then Loki's scepter is gone, right? So S.H.I.E.L.D. has it. I don't think it's uh, outwardly mentioned it's in the movie. In, it's kind of inferred. But it's inferred. Because they end up Because in Age of Ultron, Hydra's Hydra got it. it. And you you would just assume like, naturally that like, it. oh, yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. had it. And when Hydra got like outed, they were like, well, go get the most powerful thing yeah. that they have and take it with us. And then is it... Is it during the end credits or after the credits for this movie that we first see Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver or no? No. I thought it was. That is 
Is it I this think it one? Is. It's got to be. You're yeah. right. It has to be. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It is. Because like yeah. we see them in that's their, where we their get, cages, essentially yeah. being yep. like that's where we get with. that's where we get like the inkling into oh this is where Age of Ultron is going to open up where we've got the twins. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because you see them and you're like hmm, they're X Men. They are X Men. Yeah. <laughs> they're Magneto's children yeah. from the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's they kind of bend away around that just like the same way Agents of Shield kind of bent away around like including the idea of mutants by yeah. just utilizing like inhumans and crees and stuff like that. Right. Um yeah. You want to take a quick break and we'll talk some guardians briefly because I know you're going to do a little bit more of that later this week with your bebe. Yeah. And then uh then we'll move on to Age of Ultron. Sounds good to me. All right, man. Take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay. Hello. Welcome to another episode of It's Fitz, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 2001 Peter Jackson film, the first in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, The Fellowship of the Ring. I'm not sure if that's one, two, or three, or if it's the trilogy combined, so I'll just talk about all three. Um, I pref- I've never watched Harry Potter, so I can't really put him in, but like, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings guy, even though I don't really like Lord of the Rings that much. Samwise Gamgee is pretty cool. Frodo's okay. But yeah, Fellowship of the Rings. I feel like that's the second one. And if it is, I don't think it is. I think the second one's something about towers. The third one, or maybe the first one is Fellowship of the Rings. If the first one is Fellowship of the Rings, it's my favorite one. Is Viggo Mortensen? Yeah, he's in all three of them, right? Um, but the third one really fell short. on. Like, it was so drawn out. I can't believe I saw the second and third one in the movies. I saw the first one at home, and I liked that better. Second and third one were just, like, so long. I don't know. I'm a nerd, but I'm not that kind of nerd. And, like I said, the third one was awful. If we're talking about the trilogy. I don't hate Peter Jackson. This has been another episode of It's Fits. Welcome back. So, we've covered the great Iron Man 3, the ridiculous Thor the Dark World, and the fantastic 70s spy thriller throwback, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um, And now we're coming up on the last two. We're going to touch really briefly on Guardians of the Galaxy, as you said before we went on the break. That's the one that... uh, me and Robbie are going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Volume 2 next length. week, more at length. That'll so be we a don't, good one. Kind of like in the same way in the first one that we did, we didn't really touch on the Incredible Hulk all that much because me and Jack have had a planned episode for that. But real quick, glazing over Guardians of the Galaxy and what it means to Phase 2 and everything, really it... Can I touch it, on some things since you're going to end up talking about it? 
Absolutely, pretty, yeah. Pretty lengthy. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just pretty much going to say just for like the phase two podcast, like it introduces the Power Stone, the purple one. Right. Uh, we get a purple brief, stuff. Brief glimpse at Thanos, uh, who's running the show again. Um, and we get introduced to our characters. James Gunn made it, wrote it, directed it. Um, and just, uh, it's the best one of all of them, in my opinion. <laughs> I think it's uh, I re I rewatched it last night in preparation for the podcast. It's coming up with Robbie, and it's just God damn it! The movie is don't get to don't get no no no. I know yeah. It's Let just me. it's it's a it's a phenomenally crafted movie. Uh, it's paced extraordinarily well. It's just a really really fun movie. But what what do you what what do you have to say about yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy? Since I won't be on, you will not be on your that baby one. no podcast. Um, I love Guardians. I love the music and the role that the music plays in the film. Um, I love the humor of it compared to a lot of the earlier Marvel movies. It's a lot more like blatantly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Chris Chris Pratt as kind of the anti-hero. You know, as kind of being a little bit of a fucker, a little yeah. bit of a fuck up. Yeah, he's he's, but a, he's, he's, he's a little he's, scamp. Yeah, he's, he's a little scallywag. He's, he's trashy, but he's our hero for this film. Um, I definitely like, uh, both Gamora and Nebula being the daughters, you know, adoptee sisters of Thanos, um, mm-hmm. or, or children of Thanos and their sisters and they don't like each other, but they're going to kind of deal with it later in Guardians 2 mm-hmm. and then more so probably in Infinity War. Yeah. And Karen Gillian. Yeah. And, uh, Zoe uh, Saldana, Saldana are just yeah, she's so good awesome. as like that kind of like yeah. sisterly thing and. Yeah, they they do it way bigger in volume two, but just definitely. like in the first one, you, you, there's definitely hints there. Even though Karen Gillian's really not given all that much to do, I think it's I think the characters are pretty great in this one. Like building this sort of like uh, you know just kind of weird ensemble of misfits, and like everyone's kind of an asshole. It's great, totally. You know, like having Bradley Cooper. They're, they're a bunch of a holes. Yeah, bunch of a holes. Um, so having Bradley Cooper voice rocket and then i love sean gunn i loved him as being in gilmore girls mm-hmm. so i was kind of excited when i first went to see guardians yeah that... and he plays craglin and he also did the uh mocap work for did rocket mocap work for rocket um so I, I i love that i love how they give in guardians 2 they give dave batista a lot more humor mm-hmm. and it's kind of like obscene amount of humor and it's great well he but... really is like the Nobody expected that going into the first right. one. Like, but the they were first like, one, I love how literal he is. I love yeah. that idea of his character that he is not taking any of the jokes because he's so literal. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, yeah, when when he kills uh, Ronan's henchman uh, and he does like the finger across the throat means oh, yeah. death. Like what before? He, like, <laughs> I was thinking about it for the first time. I've probably seen the movie about twenty times now. Yeah, because I love it. It's just a good thing to throw on. Um, I never realized like when he rips that out of his head and he says he because he rips like the computer out of the guy's head right. to kill him. He says finger across the throat means death. And then he rips out of his. That's the last thing that that guy heard before he died. <laughs> and then and he's like this big badass in the galaxy kind of thing. And he was probably so confused for like <laughs> a second. Like what is and you just watched this last night. So um, refresh my memory. Like what's the joke when they're like in the elevator essentially. Um, but they're in the prison planet and, and he's kind of like 
Chris Pratt is like trying to make a joke with him and he's like, you know, I would catch it. My reflexes are too fast oh, or yeah. something like he, that. He I said love something that. Like, like, like all this yeah. n- nonsense jargon would probably go right over your head. Yeah, like, yeah. It wouldn't go over my head. I'd right. catch it. I would yeah. catch it. I'm too quick. You know, mm-hmm. like I love that kind of like literal humor. Which is um, I'm waiting for an Infinity War for Spider-Man to like try and swoop over Drax's head and he catches him. <laughs> Be a good call. I think uh, I'm looking forward to like Rocket being annoying to some other characters besides his fake family that he's made here in Guardians. I think that'll be pretty, pretty uh, fun stuff mm-hmm. in Infinity War. He's a, I would say like, even though like they're all a bunch of assholes and they're all lot, like very quippy, kind of in the same way that when you get Joss Whedon writing the dialogue mm. for all the Avengers, he just brings it out. I mean, look, and we'll talk about it in a second with Age of Ultron, but Thor, when Joss Whedon writes Thor, He's being just as goofy oh, as yeah. Taika Waititi is being with him in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Just Taika Waititi is taking it to another to level. that extreme comedic yeah, level. Totally. I like there are moments in Age of Ultron and the Avengers where Thor is just like flat out like, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Like I'm a lovable little scamp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Rocket, though, is definitely the most like Tony Stark-ish. He's the most mischievous. Yeah, he's, he's really intelligent. He, he thinks he's smarter than other people. Tony Stark. Um, Absolutely. Exactly. He he's stealing stuff just because he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah I love I like the idea of Gamora as like the you know the 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 great counterpart to Chris Pat's character because. She's kind of like, I like that she's like, I'm not going to respond to your pelvic sorcery. It's you know, good, like, it's, it's a like. good terminology. Yeah, it's totally like, it's awesome. Like, she's not, fi- you know, falling for his wiles. And mm-hmm. I like that idea of of him, you know, having girls stashed away in his room or wherever while he's like going through crazy mm-hmm. shit on the, on his, his uh, ship and everything. And yeah, and we, we first see uh, the wonderful Michael Rooker as Yondu in this one. And he's. In Guardians 2 a lot more, but he's, I love him. Michael I love, Rooker is... I love Michael Rooker. It's phenomenal. You've seen Slither, right? Yes. You watch Slither? Yeah, I've he's seen phenomenal. Slither. James Gunn's other movie, yeah. Michael Rooker's in that with uh, Nathan Fillion. Who... And I like knowing that they're buddies mm-hmm. <laughs> in real life. That yeah, makes, like, that makes oh, yeah they're good buds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he took a lot of the dudes that he worked on uh, with uh, on and like his, his previous horror ventures into this one, actors and people behind the scenes and stuff. And he was... Uh, James Gunn is is a good dude. He's a he's a pretty solid dude, and he's he's the uh, you know the heir apparent to once Joss Whedon dropped out off after Age of Ultron. I wouldn't. I I can imagine that the fact that the Guardians are going to be in Infinity War, they offered it to him to oh. do Avengers Infinity War. Um, and I think probably the main reason that he wouldn't do it is because he really. Sorry, uh, he really has. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very good drink. Gulp. Um, he really has become invested in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he said he's coming back for Volume 3, even good. though he said when he made the first one, he's like, I'm not making another one of these. I know uh... where I'd like them to go. And then, you know, obviously, he's just playing coy because he wants them to offer it to him and offer him money. And, he, and yeah. yeah. And he said, like, I'm done after this one. And then he's like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do a third one. It's going to be the last iteration with all these characters, which should be very scary for anybody who's ever seen a James Gunn movie, because Ugh. the only reason he hasn't started killing people off is because he wants to. He's he loves them and he wants to use them in more movies, but they all have uh, 
I think uh, five five movie deals, and those are being used up in Infinity War. Oh. So the third one is like I think the last one that most of these guys have. I think, oddly enough, I think Nebula, Karen Gillian, has a couple more than everybody else. Huh. And I think that might be because. Is she going to cross over to another series? Might cross over to something else, Doctor Strange, and you could do anything, really. She I mean, end up I feel like after yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy kind of moves away, they're going to start getting a little bit more cosmic now that they've introduced yeah. Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thanos, for God's sakes. Thanos is going to be the bad guy of the new right. movie. I mean, that's part of the reason I like Guardians is because it kind of, um, it takes, you know, in Thor and I'm trying to think what else, but like those are introducing these other realms, these other these other planets essentially Mm -hmm. but guardians is the first one where you're like oh it's somebody from earth Mm -hmm. but we're not on earth he's actually out in the world out in the universe there's actually a a really good uh commentary on like uh peter quill being from earth and being detached and like he's got it's almost kind of like this opposite tony stark kind of thing where tony stark in what way in the avengers saw the the threats of the outer galactic cosmos Mm -hmm. and he's stuck on earth and he's just like i have to protect earth at all costs and whereas peter quill's character was taken from earth and he grew up in the outer galactic cosmos so to speak and he kind of like he doesn't really want to go back to earth right in the two movies he never he never says that he wants to go back and he doesn't but yondu the guy that knows him the most says you don't give a damn about your terra which is what they call her. Right. Like, he knows. He's like, you don't fucking care about being a Terran or being from from Earth. You don't care about Earth. So he doesn't necessarily care about Earth, but he does have this like deep nostalgia for his mom and his 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 youth in mm-hmm. the sense that like he's constantly listening to these these songs that his mom made him this mix and mm-hmm. you know so he's got kind of this nostalgia for that part of Earth. Mm-hmm. But more so in in how it was his family, and I think the fact that his mom died is why he doesn't care about Earth. Yeah, and, know, and, if and he still a... had family on Earth, he would want to go back. Well, I mean, his grandpa's still down there. Yeah. In volume two, we saw him. Right. Real quick. Uh, I I think it's you know there, there's there's a much deeper conversation to have on like Guardians of the Galaxy and how like the movie really utilized nostalgia in just the right way in yeah. the year that it came out. And just I'm like, sure you're going to talk about that. Real good. Yeah. And it's. It's just uh, the movie's just got like a swagger. It's got a charm and an attitude and just a swagger. The way it presents itself and carries itself yeah. is just, mama mia, what the spicy movie! <laughs> it's just a, well, it's, it's a got, great movie from beginning to end. It's got like a great amount of humor and and action and fun, and then all of a sudden turns really poignant at the end. It's got a lot yeah. of heart, and yeah. I, I've said that too about Volume Two and totally. the first one. Like, there's yeah. a the movies have way more heart than they have any right to have. Yeah, like they, that whole sequence of Groot, you know, protecting them because they're going to fall to Earth. This was actually like, that the, is so heartbreaking. Watching it, watching it this time, it was even more heartbreaking because this is the first time, like uh, that's the last time you see adult Groot. Well, this is too, and James Gunn has come out and said it that like that's baby Groot is not Groot reborn. It's like a clone in the same way like that trees would plant seeds. Okay. He's like, Groot died when he did that. Yeah. That Groot's dead. This so Groot sad. doesn't have the memories or anything like that. Right. And this was the first time I watched the movie and knowing I'm like, all the other times I've watched it, whether I knew baby Groot. You think that he survives, You think that he survives, but this yeah. is the first time where I'm like, he's he's sacrificing himself wholly and fully. Totally. To when like you, save them. And when you first see the movie... For the first time, you believe that. 
and then having baby Groot at the end in the mm-hmm. pot is like the little glimmer of hope to like help you out because mm-hmm. you're upset about it. And that's still one of the best sequences of him dancing, you know, to want you back. So good. It's a great goddamn movie. Yeah, like it's, it's great. So, like that's that's one of those uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one is like a litmus test for like uh, figuring out if new people you've met are assholes. <laughs> Because if they don't like Guardians of the Galaxy because they have any, like, weird thing against it, it's like, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. All right. Okay, so I feel like that's sufficient. You're going to go into it in further depth. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk about Guardians 2, and I will look forward to listening to that. Yeah. So, so yeah, you want to move on to Ultron. Get on to the age of Ultron. All right. Came out in 2015, written and directed by Mr. Joss Whedon again. Uh, stars all of our favorite people from before. But can I say, I really prefer Evan Peters from X-Men Days of Future Past playing Mr. Quicksilver. Bah. I'm going to put that out there. As, As opposed to our new uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Mm-hmm. Which both of them were in Kick-Ass. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh, Evan Peters, Quicksilver... Him. In X-Men, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. Yeah, but uh, more so in Days of Future is Past. Is a, a very heavy reinterpretation of Quicksilver's character, and as is Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this one. Right. But Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this one, in Age of Ultron, is a little closer to the comics, whereas Quicksilver is like kind of like, he's this little dick, and he, he, he thinks so... F- the idea is, is that he... Is he supposed to be like Eastern European? Yes. He is? Yes. Okay. They're Russian, I believe. All right. Um, he, he, it, the idea is that he thinks so fast that he doesn't consider options. And so he always just kind of speaks his mind yeah. and just like he's yeah. kind of a fucking dick. And he he uh, he overreacts because he reacts too quickly. Sure. Kind of stuff like that. Um, and he's very protective of his sister. And I got to tell you, a Quicksilver without Scarlet Witch is um, is only half a character. Okay. And so when I look at Evan Peters' Quicksilver, really fucking fun. Yeah. I love that actor. He's so I fun. love his performance as Plus that. Plus that sequence is so good. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But he, they could have just called him like the wizard or something. They could have called him <laughs> something else. He didn't have to be Quicksilver. The only reason they did that was because people knew who Quicksilver was. Kind of. Okay. You know, like he's not even really Magneto's son. I mean, there's like a little joke in there that he might be. Yeah. In Days of Future Past. It's a little joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a little joke. It's not like it's revealed that it's Magneto's son kind of thing. Sure, sure, sure. But I really, I really enjoy Aaron Taylor Johnson's. He like his frosted hair and his not so very good accent. I like his frosted hair. His, you didn't see this coming? That's one of the best lines of the movie. It's a great line, but Mm -hmm. I think his accent blows. No way. No way. Yeah, see, there you go. We, we sit... Nah. Staring Blech. at bomb and bomb, it did not blow up. <laughs> yeah, can his accent be better? But like, yeah, I can, it can gu- be. I can guarantee you, <laughs> yeah, it can be. <laughs> I can guarantee you that there are people that talk like that. Eh, time to make trouble for moose and squirrel is not a good accent. <laughs> I mean, it's not that egregious, but yeah, I mean that's like. I mean, compared to Elizabeth Olsen being Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. I feel like. She's way better, and her accent isn't that good either. No, I, well, and I, I think it's uh, Russian accents. Are, it kind of like, takes the accents you out that of they're it. Doing are a little hard to, yeah. Because even if you don't know who Aaron Taylor Johnson is, or you don't know who uh, Elizabeth Olsen is, when you're watching the movie, you're going like, okay, these are two actors that I've probably seen in other movies, and they didn't talk like that, and now yeah. they're talking like this. Yeah. And it's an odd choice He's to sort make of an them odd choice for do that. those. Yeah. 
lines. I think having seen him in Kick-Ass, when mm. I did see that. Which is a great movie. Which is a great movie. And but he's, it, it he's takes very you, good in it. It takes you out of it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the more that I watch the movie, the less I really Focus care about it. the accents. Like, I don't really... The performances are good. The yeah, accents right. yeah. are... I, I mean, I don't know. I, I If if you're going to tell me that uh, Elizabeth Olsen's performance in this isn't good, then we're no, just going to completely fine. disagree. No, I didn't say I that. I think she's very, very good in the movie. I never said that. Right. I think she's very good. I think Aaron Tara Johnson is just like, I think he's all right. She, I think of the twins, she's the stronger of the two. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. And she is the one that survives. So yeah, clearly that's good. Yeah. I mean, and I, <laughs> I, I, I love them being added as uh, new characters in this. Same with uh, James Spader as Ultron. Yeah. I think is really good. I like how he kind of plays around with the idea of. Him kind of him and Joss Whedon playing around with the idea of Ultron kind of just like being very naive and young, and kind of like growing. Like when we first see him, he's kind of like a baby trying to figure stuff out, and then he's kind of like an angsty teenager, and he's just like he's he's going through the steps of like aging. Only it's happening very very quickly. Well, it makes the sense. Like his argument in a weird abstract way makes sense. Like the idea of evolution and change and evolving and how the Avengers are saying they want to save everyone but or that they want to create peace but they're not actually changing they you know so that that Uh, argument holds but not to the crazy extreme that he wants to put it which is like exterminating all of human race Mm -hmm. I mean that's like to that extent it's kind of like being a moderate in politics or some weird thing it's like there's always a weird ebb and flow of like the arguments where you're like part of that makes sense but not like that mm-hmm. you yeah. know <laughs> like, yeah he's like... he's he's just kind of going about it like in a very uh like uh altruistic kind of way where, like like he thinks that he not altruistic uh, the opposite that like right. he's very he's being very selfish about it where he's like oh well peace in our time like i'm gonna do it like this yeah. and and that's and the it, only way that's gonna and it happen. makes sense that the maximoff twins want to help him because they yeah they blame tony stark and his weapons that he created mm-hmm. for destroying their family so i mean yeah, that's why they like sub- subjected themselves to the tests in the first place right. with hydra yeah right so all right so we have that that kind of set as the story that hydra has the mind stone Mm-hmm. And that they've kind of used. They've got Loki scepter, yeah, Loki and Thor and everybody have been trying to get Loki scepter back, right. kind of like cleaning up their mess, right, from the battle in New York. Yeah, so it kind of opens with that, mm-hmm. with that fight fight sequence. Yep, where we get like that one shot of all of them together oh, yeah. doing their like own flying thing, through which, the air. You know, was saved for the end of the first movie, <laughs> sure. and now it starts on this right. one. Right. Very good uh, filmmaking choice. Just gonna say. Um, but yeah, and uh, I I kind of like the, um, you know, I I like that it is, you, I think we kind of talked about this last podcast, but, you know, they're not going to pop up in each other's specific franchises of movies, mm-hmm. but sometimes you're like, man, why the hell wouldn't they help yeah. Tony Stark with this weird it's, deal? It's you're one like, of those weird things yeah, where you just like, like, comic books do it all the time. You're like, you know? why are they getting together now? Why is this time any worse than all mm-hmm. these other disasters that have happened? But it's back- like, yeah, they're cleaning up their mess from Battle of New York. Right. Like they're all getting together yet. Yeah. And they've I mean, all been trying a, to find Loki's scepter for this whole time. Yeah. There's a certain suspension of disbelief, but it's not even really that. It's just like, 
Well, no, yeah, like some movies are Iron Man movies and some movies are Avengers movies. Right. You gotta deal with it. Like, yeah, totally. The Gremlins are not gonna show up in Robocop. They're two different movies. <laughs> Now, when you get to the Avengers version of RoboCop and Gremlins, fuck yeah, you get it. But it's, God, that would be, God, that would be a great movie. I'm not even sure what movie you're talking about. RoboCop and Gremlins in a movie? RoboCop versus Gremlins? Why wouldn't they be helping each other? Because Gremlins are like little scallywags. But they'd probably be like... A little gizmo action. No, those are mogwais. Uh, the mogwais would definitely help Riding Robocop. the shoulder. Ro- yeah, gizmo Robocop. would help Robocop out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm going to eat a booze cherry real quick. Go but, for it. Um, before you go, but they're really alcoholic. <laughs> um, so since we're drinking these drinks, can we talk about the Avengers party scene? Of course. Which is really fun. Yeah. So they get they get the they get the scepter back. Scarlet Witch gives uh, Tony like his little like oh we die in space kind of thing. The Avengers oh why Captain America why couldn't you save us? And that uh, he grabs the scepter and they got it. And right. Then, so that's sort of like the first introduction of Scarlet Witch. Yep. Fucking with somebody's head, mm-hmm. and that's the first time you see it. And Tony doesn't realize that she's done it. Yeah, because they don't know about her yet. They haven't seen her. He just has this weird vision of all of his friends dying, him surviving, and he wasn't able to help them. Mm-hmm. Right. And feeding more into Tony's, I can fix this, I can fix this right. kind of mentality yeah. that he's been having in the previous movies. Totally. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're going to be working on uh, Loki's scepter for a little bit before Thor takes it back to the old Asgard sure. castle. And in the meantime, they're having a... Uh, we got... Revels. They're having revels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bon voyage. Yep. So they're Tied having a nice, nice big party. I love the party scene. Party scene's good. <laughs> Don Cheadle shows up. I love Rhodes. Don Cheadle. Uh, Anthony Mackie shows up as uh, Sam Wilson. I particularly love Thor during this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the banter. I love him, you know. Uh, I love. Well, Car- it's, a, it's a Joss Whedon movie. You're yeah. going to love the banter. Yeah, but I mean, like, I love the Thor banter in particular. Like, I love mm-hmm. him and Tony kind of like one-upping each other about bragging about their lady friends. I love that scene so and, much. Uh, and that scene gets a little bit of a... This whole party scene gets a little bit of a bad rap for, like, really odd reasons. In what way? Well, a lot of people see the movie, like, I, the, 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 <laughs> we're going to have ourselves a talk about Black Widow in this movie. That's why I kind of yeah. end the drinks about it. Because yeah, yeah. she's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But there's, like, this uh, odd thing where it's, like, these machismo men. Okay. You know, just sitting around talking about their girlfriends who aren't even there. And it, there's this idea that because they're not there and because they're just talking about them that they're less than. I don't but think so because they're bragging they're about bragging them. They're bragging about them. They're trying to show that Thor's one. Thor's like, yes, but Jane is better. They're, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, like, they're little man children. Yeah, like yeah. They, yeah I like like the, that's the whole point. I like the humor of it. I like the Kobe. I always say her name wrong. Smolders. Kobe Smolders. Smolders. I Smolder, wanna, like a fire. I always want to call her Smothers. I don't know why. Colby Smolders. Molders. I like Kobe Smothers better. I know it sounds so good. Change your name, not. Kobe, if you listen. Um, Kobe. 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 I had a friend named Kobe, but that is not the same name. Kobe. Kobe. Kobe Smothers. Smothers. From. Whereas I will be more likely to say Kobe Smothers. From uh, Ten Things <laughs> I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Hate About You. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. Yep. How I'm mad about you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's kind of calling, teasing them on it. And I like that she's there in the party, in the mix. I, mm-hmm. I like her character 
kind of juxtaposed to Scarlet, uh, not Scarlet Witch, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I like I like her being like another type of strong female lead. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a there's a ton of like good female characters in here. I mean, Joss Whedon being like an outspoken feminist, yeah. and stuff like that. He's gonna put it into his work. Uh, I it, it really confuses me though how people take. Some of the stuff in this movie, they want to start arguments about like really wild shit. We're going to get into it and we're going to get in deep well, because one of the things that really... We can argue about the the love sequence between yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Widow and Hulk. Joss Whedon, <laughs> Joss Whedon dropped off of Twitter after this movie because yeah. of the ways that people were responding to his treatment of some of the female characters. Ah. And like while watching the movie the past couple times that I've seen it, I'm going through it like a fine comb and I'm like, hold on a second here. Like what is he actually doing with these characters in the context of the entire yeah. movie. I don't necessarily I as a lady folk. Yes. who identifies as a lady folk. Um I don't have issue with the female characters in this movie or how they are represented, but I do feel like and we can talk about this later, but I do feel like the romance sequence between her character and the Hulk is a little like out of nowhere at the bar. Not at the bar, like like being a little flirty at a party is not outside the realm of possibility. Well, I mean, I'd say she's being much more than flirty. Yeah, exactly. She's being pretty much uh, like no, no I hey. know, but I but I don't think that it like there's there's been nothing in any of the other movies to this point mm-hmm. to drop any hint of that. So right. I feel like it's a little weird. Like we don't have to have our protagonists of the Avengers couple up. We don't have to have them get together. And I know you've talked about Black Widow before not being someone that people want to, like, get with, that she's just a strong character on her own. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's kind of, like, it's hinted at that later, too, when she's like, oh, I'm always picking up after you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of, like... Yeah, there's little, like, little snides that she she makes. Whether, like, it's it's a man writing her dialogue. Sure. But at the end of the day, you have to take it into context. Like, the movie is the movie. Right. And the series are the series. And when you're looking for answers, the movie has to be the one that's able to give them to you. Totally. It's whether or not you're looking in the right spots or if the movie is just not there and they're just doing this for fun. And then, and it, I, and then it's stupid. And I love the... I love the party sequence or like after the party sequence when they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer. Yeah. That's like oh, no, wait, of- wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to the, the, the Black Widow uh, banter scene. Okay. Because uh, we can touch on this and we can get back to it later when we go right. to the other scene. Right. Because in that, uh, th- there's two versions that I have of that banter scene making sense. Two uh, versions? How do you mean? Two versions of it making sense. Like you're asking, well, we haven't seen anything like that before. Where is this coming from? The first one that's the easiest is um, this is the first time that she's showing interest. Okay. Uh, We've seen her kind of be the one that has to like talk Hulk back into Banner. Yeah. So we've seen her. We know that there's like, there's this connection that they've made that is obviously some kind of like hypnosis that Bruce Banner has had done to him that when he's the Hulk, she can connect with Bruce. She's able to calm him down. Right. They have a connection, whether it's made or real. And I, and not to get too far ahead, but I, I love in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. I fucking love it that Thor tries to use the whole, like, mm-hmm. the sun's going down, big guy. On, sun's getting real low. Sun's getting real low on, on Banner later. And I mm-hmm. love Mark Ruffalo being like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop saying that. You know, like, mm-hmm. I love that. So, you know, watching this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And it's, I think it's also, uh, if, if even if this isn't the first time that she's outwardly, <coughs> uh, directly 
trying to like what is she trying to do she's just flirting with him like she's just she's flirting with the one member of this like crew of boys that she's running around with that she (coughs) is that she is attracted to yeah she's kind of well she's kind of letting him know letting him know and later on in the movie we're shown reasons why she would do that where it's like she kind of considers herself just as much as a monster as he does right and and uh like for her own reasons very different like hers is like a monster of morality whereas his is a monster of physicality sure and even going before that the whole scene one i I tell you every time we watch the avengers the scene where she goes and she uh has to like recruit bruce banner to be an avenger yeah he's got that line where he says well i don't always get what i want and he says that while he's pushing a cradle, like there's right. a little makeshift wooden cradle. Yeah. And in that movie, we don't know about the Red Room and everything with Black Widow where she was sterilized. Yeah. But now, looking back on that, that could have been a thing where – and Joss Whedon wrote both these movies. So he could have intended it or he could have built upon it. But she saw that he has the same – uh uh, like fear of not being whole because he's got he this one thing has been stripped away from him. The, the, is the that able, supposed to imply that like he's sterile or he just doesn't want to pass that he, on to someone else? He's sterile. Like his his DNA is so fucked up he cannot okay. impregnate somebody probably at all. And even if he did, no, you wouldn't want that. Right. Right. And I think that it's the idea that these these two guys these two people have had this ripped away from them the idea of like being able to create children and yeah, age of an ultron is an age yeah. of and even beyond that though age of ultron is dealing with legacy with all of these characters legacy and consequences is the big thing all the characters in age of ultron are dealing with and the hulk and black widow's romantic involvement if you want to call it that like cuz they don't even do anything it's just their yeah, they they're kiss pre- once. They're presenting the idea to one another that yeah. maybe we could be happy. It's like a more of a, in my mind, it's like more of a weird teen romance where it's like nothing, totally. nothing physical has ever transpired. Absolutely. Where they're just like, I have some feelings. Oh, but we can't. Oh, we could. It's but a meh. perfect star-crossed like, star lovers. Yeah, it's and a, I'm kind of like, perfect. Uh, I don't know about it, that. This is like Buffy and Angel stuff. Come I, on now. No, I mean, I understand that, but... Uh, it's not my favorite part of the movie. So. No, it's not my favorite part either. But I really do like Black Widow's, how they, they kind of like, I would say that Black Widow is more of a character in this movie than like Captain America or Thor. Definitely. She's got more yeah. of an arc, more of a growth, you know. No, I think her and Hulk, um, in addition to Tony Stark, are like the central characters. They're mm-hmm. like the big three of this film. Yeah. For sure. They're the ones that have like the biggest character arcs and then weird backstories. And then there's also our awesome under the radar, uh, Knight in Shining Armor, Clint Barton. Oh, my favorite. Who's, the, who's my favorite part of this movie? He's so good. Yeah, he's the best part he's of this like movie. He's like the main character of this movie. He is, in, but like, he some isn't. Ways. But I it's know great. It's Tony's movie. It's, it's great. Robert Downey Jr., but yeah. like he's like Hawkeye's doing a lot. Hawkeye's in this the movie. best part of this movie. Freaks and Geeks. He. He's married to Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. Linda Cardellini. She's awesome. She's his prego wife in the middle of some wonderful, like... Beautiful, beautiful place you'd love to live. Beautiful, like, middle America? Iowa? Um, what is this? He- is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. It's Iowa. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I love Jeremy Renner in this. I, I like the idea of him kind of teasing having a girlfriend when he's probably calling his wife. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that he's kept that hidden 
from everyone except for Natasha Romanoff, who's anti Nat. Mm -hmm. And he's got that great (laughs) line when he's on the phone and uh, somebody walks up. I think it's Captain America walks up and like hears him talking on the phone and he's saying like, no, ma'am, you know, I only answer to you. Mm. And then he's like, who's that? And he's like, girlfriend, even though he already said like, I don't have a girlfriend and looks at Nat. And that's another great thing, too, where uh, another weird thing that people have talked about with Black Widow's character, like, they're just, because she's a woman, they're looking for these things. And they should. Uh, because looking for what? It, looking for the things that um, dehumanize her or bring her down a level below all the male characters in the movie. And you should make sure that those things are not there by looking for them. What kind of things? Uh, that she, some people have inferred that she is bartending the party. <laughs> you know, it, it, she's just making herself a drink. You know what? It's so funny. I never thought that until when we rewatched it this week. Uh-huh. When we rewatched it and Banner comes up to get a drink and she's like making a drink. I, part of me is like, Tony Stark is fucking rich. Yeah, Why doesn't he have a bar? She's making herself a drink <laughs> the way she wants it. Yeah, and yeah. then she pours him one. No, no, no. I, didn't, she, I never assumed right, she was the bartender, but I was like, Tony Stark in his loaded glory. Why doesn't he have like five bartenders? Right. Because it's like a nice pro- private party and she's I just guess. making herself a drink. And she, because yeah. wa- she walks away afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, she's bartending. Why isn't, like, there would be a bunch of people at the bar. Yeah, totally. I think it's self serve. Yeah, it's probably self serve. Okay. But, and then, but I did find that funny cause because of the, like, prowess and wealth of Tony Stark. Yeah. It was like, what, what the fuck? Yeah, that? there's not a whole Jarvis lot of Jarvis isn't making around. drinks. Where, where is everybody? Mm-hmm. Happy's th- not there making drinks. I think it's self-serve. I think it's a nice little private party. Yeah, but it is kind of weird. I mean, the idea that Pepper wouldn't be there is weird. We just know that Gwyneth Paltrow yeah, probably just couldn't be yeah. bothered. So yeah. that's fine. She was and doing they, And they say, like, <laughs> the reasons that Jane and... Pepper can't be there is because, like, they they're off doing, them. like, work. Yeah. Like, well, no, the reasons they come up with. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Are, like, know. good. Yeah. No, like, I you're like, yeah, that's good. Those uh, are good things. They could have yeah. just said, like, I don't know where they are. Or, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're working hard. We're in a fight. They're working hard. Right. And then, like, immediately after the bar scene, Captain America comes up and he's just like, yo, you should go for that. And he's like, well, oh, he's, I know firsthand. Well, because he's like, I have become friends with Black Widow. Yeah. I have sort of, like... You know, because without Bucky, Black Widow is pretty much Captain America's bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know we, we get Anthony Mackie later, but really she's sort of like the one who's teasing him, like, hey, going on a date this weekend, you know, essentially like poking him about Agent 13 later on. Like, she's the one who's kind of like got this this vibe with him. So he's kind of like, oh, she doesn't trust anyone. And she seems to like you. You should go for that. Like. It's pretty good. No, it's good. It's it's him <laughs> just being like, he, like he doesn't understand, and I think that's supposed to be what we read from the scene because later on we see that Hulk is like, Bruce, the reason Bruce doesn't want to try and go for it, like he does like Natasha, mm-hmm. but the reason he doesn't want to go for it, he's like, what kind of life can I give you? Yeah, I I don't even know what will happen. I need to be careful. I mean, this we, is extremely dangerous stuff. Do we feel like? When you saw this, now that you've kind of rewatched and re-examined the Hulk, you mm-hmm. know, are we supposed to kind of assume that's part of the universe, like his past relationships from the Incredible Hulk film? Betty? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but I think they've dropped that. Yeah. You know, like, they, I think they're kind of like, uh, if we're taking Incredible Hulk as like part of canon. Part of canon, which we kind of are, because William Hurt is 
General Ross from that, and he's in Civil War. Yeah. Uh, the way Incredible Hulk ends, it's pretty much like uh, Betty and him can't be together, even though they care for one another, that he's just too dangerous. Yeah. And so I think that... It's the same argument. It's the same argument, and that, it, but he's got more of a moralistic control over it. Mark Ruffalo's Hulk... As when we meet him in Avengers, has much more control over what he's doing and needs to make sure that he makes the right decisions and he can't be, you know, he can't be led astray by just like little things that would lead him to a normal life because he understands that it's he funny that, can't have yeah, a normal life. But it's funny that you pose it like that, that he has more control because I feel like this movie in particular tries to show that he doesn't have control. Yeah. Because it goes to show him like totally fucking up cities. Well, he has control violence. over it. He has control over it in a way where an alcoholic has control over not drinking, but you get one little drink yeah. in him and it goes crazy. Right. And it's the idea the like monster. when like Scarlet Witch gets in his head, like yeah. he can't control himself totally. and he freaks out. Right. So getting back to party scene. And trying to lift Thor's hammer. Because that's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Didn't they release that like as a clip before the movie came uh, out? Maybe? Yeah, I think they yeah. released like a version of Oh yeah, because I remember when I watched the movie, when Tony Stark stands up and unbuttons his shirt, uh-huh. I always expect a music cue, like a needle drop. And there's oh. like a... Oh, alright. Because okay. that's from a clip they released, okay. but it's not in the movie. Interesting. That's a weird music. But yeah. Well, it's like he got that Tony Stark swagger. He's okay. just like. Bow, right. bow, bow. But I, I, I love the like, I like the the rapid fire sequence of them all trying and like having him and War Machine both trying to pull out yeah. it and then be like, are you even trying? And like Hawkeye beforehand, like teasing Thor about it, like it's a trick. And he's got the, the drumsticks and oh, he's like yeah. tailing the drumsticks. Totally. Like, what a cool thing to have Hawkeye doing in the background. And uh, I love the like, just it seems like. Captain America has the slightest movement, oh, yes. and that Thor's face is just like, oh, what? what? Mm. It's, it's <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, fantastically written, fantastically and that's shot, another, edited. It's good. It's very good. That's another moment where Black Widow is like, nah, I don't need that question answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not the, all this testosterone <laughs> like, nonsense. Yeah, she doesn't fucking need it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so. I mean, the things that stand out the most for me for this movie is kind of like the motivation of fear. Or, mm-hmm. like, what is the driving factor of, like, like, what does fear motivate you to protect or try and change? Mm-hmm. And kind of, like... Like, because, like, Tony Stark and creating Ultron? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With totally. And, like, and Banner's sort of the voice of reason. I feel like it kind of... He's sort of, like, the friend that facilitates you, but at the same time, he's, like, one of the few people that's, like, isn't this what everyone was worried about before? Like, Mm -hmm. he's, like, one of the few people that can actually talk to Tony. Yeah. Whereas everyone else kind of gangs up a little bit. It kind of sets the stage for Captain America Civil War, where Captain America is, like, getting a little holier than thou about it. And Mm -hmm. so Tony Stark is, like, no. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, they're definitely setting the stones, like, setting, like, the stones and, like, the little paveway, the the road that's going to lead to Civil War. Yeah. It's uh, I think Bruce's whole thing is that he he knows what's right and he has like a really good like moralistic idea of how to go about doing things. But he also really loves, loves science. science. He loves sciencing, especially with Tony Stark yeah, he's and like, all of his oh, punk science gadgets. Friends. Yeah, yeah, like he's been doing sciencing like in like third world countries right, alone like, using uh, parts from bicycles and stuff totally. to try and do stuff. And now he's got like the yeah. biggest. Now like, Tony's like, come to my house and play with my build blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> just like, he can't, he knows like, even when like this in the, in the movie, 
they're presented with when they have to create vision later on. Yeah. It's like it's presented with the exact same thing totally. that Tony did before with Ultron and it fucked up. And right. Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner's like, oh, no, 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 no. But he can't yeah. help himself yeah. because he's just like, what if we could like do this? Right. They're science bros. So can we talk a little bit about when Scarlet Witch gets in everybody's heads? Like what, what their fears are? Right, like the uh, this is where this is where we get the uh, Andy Circus. Oh yeah, coming on in. So he gets uh, he's a, this is the first time we see him as as Claw. Claw, right? Ulysses Claw. Ulysses Claw, arm and, dealer. And Andy Circus dealer is of the vibranium. The most uh, attractive thing to me. I don't <laughs> so know. So muscly, his muscly, hair is perfect. Sweaty, dirty. I do like him interacting with the twins, yeah, Mm -hmm. joking around about his fears. Yep, and we get to see, like, that's that's how he loses his his arm. Right, I completely forgot about that until rewatching this, that Mm -hmm. that was how he lost his arm from And this is, like, before we get to, like, the Scarlet Witch thing, which is about to happen, this is a good point, like, where, talking about Ultron as a bad guy, where, like, when he cuts off his arm, he, the reason he cuts off his arm is because Ultron's just talking and, like, Doing like his little like bravado kind of speech yeah. kind of thing. I'm better than everybody. Blah blah blah. And he says a line, something along the lines of like, um, you know, uh, keep your enemies happy and your friends happy, and see where which falls, which and so- something along those lines. Where oh. like, treating everybody in certain ways to be able to figure out exactly whether or not they're trustworthy or not. Okay. And he says a line that. Tony Stark used to say oh, to right. Ulysses Claw. Right, 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 right. And I Ulysses Claw that. points it out like, hold on a second, He's you like, work for Stark, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And this pisses uh, Ultron yeah. off because... It's kind of like the kid being like wanting mm-hmm. to not be in the shadow of the father. Daddy issues. Yeah, totally. Yes. And totally. My, my favorite thing. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like anybody anybody who has ever, you know, like has a troubling relationship with their father or like any parent. Right. And they, st- and like whether or not like they hate them or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, maybe I don't want to be like them. I want to yeah. be my own person. You want, whenever everyone you, wants to be their own thing. Yeah. Whenever you find yourself saying things that your parent used to say to you it kind of like catches you off guard a little bit where it's like it's almost like subconscious because Tony Stark's like programming is in Ultron that is Ultron's version of DNA is the programming and Tony Stark's programming is in there right and it's like my uh, my stepdad uh, Ed who uh, like (coughs) raised me from when I was four with my mom uh he always used to take the song uh, "We're Not Gonna Take It" okay. by Twisted Sister, and he would always like put it to something else, like "I'm gonna take a shower." Oh, nice! Yes, I'm taking a shower, <laughs> and sometimes I will hum that to myself or sing it to myself when I'm getting ready to take a shower, just out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's just like, oh God, it's like in my head. I oh, can't, yeah. I can't get it out. I mean, and stuff it's... like that is ingrained. There's right. always, uh, you know, there's tons of inside jokes or weird phrases that mm-hmm. I have gotten from my grandparents, now parents. Like, it's just come down. Like, Papa John used to say that. Dad says that. 
Oh, mm-hmm. now me and my sister say that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. And it's like we're just like normal human beings about to eat dinner or take a shower. Totally. And Ultron is a guy that's trying to like take over the world. And so he grabs Ulysses Claw by the hand and like ends up cutting his Slicing arm his off. his arm off, yeah. And, and, and immediately like, afterwards. Quarterizing it in the process. Immediately <laughs> afterwards, it's like, oh, ooh, ooh, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. not No exaggeration. Like, that's what he does. Totally. Because he's he doesn't understand. Like, he, he's a child reaction. Acting. And then when he does that, he's like, oh, I just messed up everything that was going on right here. And that was all so good. Like this guy was, <laughs> this guy was going to be my friend. And right. like, I think that him bringing uh, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in and them eventually betraying him really hurts him. Totally. And this is one of the first uh, moments that we get where he does something where he kind of lost a friend. Right. However much, however reciprocated that relationship was going to be for somebody like Ulysses Claw, I think right. Ultron actually or thought just like, like the idea that Ulysses Claw saw him as this like big bad, but on like a common goal. Yeah, you know? I think it's a really like telling moment of like the things that make Ultron such a really interesting bad guy in the movie. Right, and we'll get more to like the other stuff because there's. There's like some really sad stuff that happens later that didn't get me the first couple times I saw the movie. But when we watched it recently for this podcast, I was like, oh, man, I kind of feel bad for Ultron right there. I think you're meant to feel a little bad yeah, for him. But, but it never connected sense, with me before. Well, the idea is that, you know, he's a machine, whereas vision is artificial intelligence taken to another level. So I feel like you're not meant to feel as bad for Ultron because you're you're kind of able to disassociate yourself that he's not human. Right. But and if we're dealing if we're continuing to talk about the idea of legacy, which is totally. what Joss Whedon's talking about here, Ultron teaming up with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Uh-huh. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are just as much uh children of Tony Stark as yeah. Ultron is. It's because <coughs> Their hatred for Tony Stark is what led them to become the versions of what they are, and it's what led them to be together with yeah. Ultron. Um, and so they're kind of like his brother and sister, and it's like the only friends that he has. And sure. so eventually down the line, when they betray him, and like because yeah, they see that much more. they see what his motivations are, and he's like, I can't help what I am. Like I'm programmed to be this. Right. And Scarlet Witch starts to see him as a monster. Right. Because yeah. she sees his actual intentions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so Scarlet Witch, uh, the Avengers show up to like stop Ultron from doing uh, bad he's, guy he's, stuff. He's getting vibranium, mm-hmm. so he's he's getting his hands on some of that sweet sweet vibranium that uh, that Claw previously stole, which will is a nod to future Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, we get to kind of see the like weird. What are the weird fears slash flashback slash anxieties and stuff flash forward of all the characters so this is interesting what's your as someone who's read the comics and i understand what scarlet witch's powers are they're not really explained like at all in this movie so what's your interpretation of what scarlet witch's powers are just from seeing it in age of ultron and i guess too you could even say like you've seen her in civil war yeah like what what would you say well i feel like in civil war she does less mind fucking Uh she just does like (laughs) are we calling it that like i mean that's essentially what she does in this but it's like in in civil war she's just mostly using her like ability to either shield people like telekinetic stuff or blast things apart with her telekinesis yeah Mm -hmm. totally whereas in this one she's like really like either making them see things that aren't there or 
like bringing their insecurities, their anxieties to the forefronts of their mind. Like mm-hmm. she's like, like she kind of says like she's playing with Stark's fear. Like that's what she, she sees how afraid he is. And that kind of motivates him to make Ultron, mm-hmm. you know? So then, I don't know. It seems, it's kind of weird though, because it's like, like upon watching this again, like I know for Thor's sequence, it's supposed to be sort of like hinting at Ragnarok. Yeah. But it's like just like weird party orgy scene. <laughs> oh, his whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like well, Hemdall with weird so, eyes. So this is. And Scar- everyone else is like making out and drinking. <laughs> so Scarlet Witch in the comics uh, can like uh, fuck around with reality and stuff like that. And okay. kind of uh, usually used to like. Uh, make visions or hallucinations yeah. or stuff like that or or even go so far as to like actually bend reality and change reality from okay. time to time um very odd same with vision vision has like very weird powers that aren't really presented too much in the movie i want to talk about vision more yeah we'll get yeah. to we'll get to him um but in the movie i'm getting a feeling that because they use the mind stone to be able to create quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And because of the color scheme that they use with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which are the same color schemes they those characters have in the comics, I'm wondering if they tap into uh, uh, some kind of force that unifies all the Infinity Stones. So even though the Mind Stone, the hmm. yellow one, yeah. is the one that's being used, that they're able to tap into the Space Stone, which is the blue one, that is used for um, moving places very quickly. Uh-huh. Quicksilver. Right. And he's blue. Yeah. And the reality stone, which is the red one, is used to manipulate reality. And she's which, Scarlet Witch. And Charlotte Witch, and right. she's got red. So I'm feeling like there might be a little bit of something in Some there. Some kind of connection. Kind of. It might just be me, like, impressing that on there because yeah. I know the colors of the stones and stuff. So I like the weird – I don't know. It, it They're different because I feel like with Tony Stark and Thor, you're kind of seeing these futures – you know, because Ragnarok hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Tony's seeing the potential disaster of his friends dying. With Black Widow, we pretty much see the Red Sparrow trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's just like her upbringing, mm-hmm. some ballet dancing. Oh, are you saying Red, she... Red Sparrow ripped off oh, Black Widow's yeah. subplot and that they should have just made a Black Widow movie? And... Well, I mean, uh-huh. it, it was a book. So who's to say? Where wow. where the influence for the book came from. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The movie sure as hell looks like it was shot like a Black Widow right? flashback. Yeah, so <laughs> there ain't nobody who to say on that one. Yeah, so we do get that kind of glimpse into her backstory. But so but I, why is that presented well, when everyone else again, is having this like future-centered I think that with Joss, Whedon, with Joss Whedon penning this and going for legacy and consequences and stuff like that, I yeah. think that what Scarlet Witch is doing is – She's showing everybody like their deepest anxiety or their deepest fear in the form of what their legacy is. So their deepest fear, like Thor is afraid that he's been gone too long and he hasn't been there to take care Thor of Thor is afraid that he's not going – like Thor and Captain America have the two tiniest arcs in this movie where they're essentially – I want to ask about Captain America because like his sequence is the right, most right, right. confusing to so me. So Thor yeah. and Captain America, their whole arc in this thing is where they are leaders of different worlds – that are unsure of which way that they should go and right. what they should do. Thor yeah. himself doesn't know if he's going to be able to live up to Odin's name, and he's afraid that he's going to destroy everything. And okay. you know, when when he when he has his vision, he has uh, your boy Idris Elba shows yeah, up, Hemdall. and he's like, "You brought us to hell." Now, oh, when he says hell, okay. he doesn't mean H E L L. 
he means H-E-L as in Hela, who uh, brings about Ragnarok, true. which is leading up to Okay, Thor that makes Ragnarok, sense. Okay? But then why are they having weird orgy party? Why is that part of it? Well, no, they're all partying and having <laughs> fun because they think that they're doing good because oh. of the events in Thor the Dark World. They're all doing good. They're and celebrating. Be- and Thor left to go do Earth stuff. Yeah. And while he's and gone. And Loki's in charge. And Loki's in charge. Okay. So it's he doesn't right. know that, but okay. it's... It, and Captain America's, his is... Yeah, his is the most strange because you so, have that like party dance like USO type mm-hmm. sequence with Peggy, the, but where, then him seeing people injured or mm-hmm. shot or people where fighting. Peggy says the war is over. We can stop. We can go home. Right now, this is a conversation that Tony and Captain and that Tony and Steve have later on when they're chopping wood. Right. Tony's whole arc in the movie is. Again, dealing with legacy, Tony wants to be able to leave a legacy behind where he doesn't feel ashamed of it. And his idea of that is being able to create something where the Avengers can go home and not have to fight anymore. They can create Ultron and now the world's safe so that they can stop. Sure. Captain America, Steve, he believes that this is a calling, that they've been given a gift and they need to use it and they need to protect the world forever like they plus need he to... doesn't have any purpose if he's not fighting for something and that's the point of the yeah. vision yeah. that he gets is that his legacy is the war is over the war that you signed up to fight is over right let's go home like you don't have to do this anymore yeah and it's his own fear and anxiety of like am i doing the right thing should i keep fighting this war especially after the events of winter soldier true you know so okay and, and again like going even further with that with uh Black Widow's vision. Yeah, so then why? Did, how does Black Widow's vision fit in? With legacy. Like, she's nervous that she has no way to be able... Like, the only thing that she does... The only thing that she can do to build her legacy and to build the thing that people will remember her for, the only good that she can do is what she herself can do as herself, as an individual. She can't have children... And she also has this immensely dark past mm-hmm. of immoral choices that she's made that she needs to come to terms with. And so, like, that's what her vision is showing her, where it's like, you're scared that you're always going to be this person that was created in the red room and you're never going to be able to move on. She's got uh, red on her ledger, uh, Diana. She's got she's red on her ledger. She's yeah, got to get it blah, out. Blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I think that all the visions are kind of acting as a uh, you know a a way to a way to show and tell from Joss Whedon that this movie is about legacy and all of these characters are dealing with their own different okay. uh, fears and anxieties about that. Can we quick like touch on the weird like bathtub pool scene in the in the in the rocks that Stellan Skarsgård shows up for with Thor when he's like, I gotta. I thought he was when when Thor like disappears with his hammer. I thought he was gonna go home and like actually check on Asgard originally mm-hmm. when I saw this. Yeah, and then he, I'm like, he goes, to, he goes to a university professor. He goes like to London or somewhere, mm-hmm. finds London. Eric Selvig, and then is like, "Let's go watch me take my shirt off and wade into water." This is another huge thing that was cut. <laughs> Uh, I know ten. Was minute- there more backstory to make this make more sense? Because it doesn't really. It, it's uh, it's loop, it's loopy nonsense. But from what I know. <laughs> Uh, about 45 minutes of the movie were cu- was cut. Oh. 10 minutes of that accounts for um, the party scene and the Ultron birth. Oh, okay. Where there was like five more minutes of fun banter with five more minutes of Ultron becoming more self-aware and building like that first oh. little thing. Okay. There was also about 
another five to 10 minutes of Ultron figuring out his plan by himself and contacting Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Okay. And then another one is there was about a solid 10 minutes, solid 10, of Thor tracking down uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Eric Selvig, um, and them going on an adventure and getting to this place to be able to do that. What exactly are they trying to do, though? uh, They're trying... Thor... Thor shows up and he says, we need to figure out what's going on. And there's like this idea where it's like he he can't leave (coughs) and go back to Asgard because uh, he only has like one trip left or something like that. That's right. It's like he can't go back because they're using black magic. They're using like the Tesseract and stuff like that to be able to move back and forth. And he's like, but there is something on your planet where I can try and get in touch with blah, blah, blah. It's very silly. (laughs) It's a video phone. And if it were explained, it would be less silly. But instead of trying to make it less silly, they just go get in the water. Yeah. And they just have like this exposition like dialogue where it's like, you know, nobody's ever come out of there. Well, it's the only way we've got. If I can go in here and the... He says something like the water gods. Yeah, the water gods. If the water gods like me. Who are the water gods? I don't fucking know. And how the does, scene doesn't make any sense. How does Stellan Sarsgaard not get electrocuted by being that close to him when all the lightning starts? Uh, <laughs> it's because the mind gem, him being... Uh, I'm, I'm making that up. Yeah, you thought. are. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We can it's, skip uh, it. It's happy. It's happy electricity. It's can, not. It's not the mean kind. We can skip it. That's I mean, fine. yeah. It's a. It's a part of the movie that leads a lot of people. That's like that's the first thing they bring up when they try and talk about how messy and convoluted the movie is. Is they'll bring up that scene, and that scene yeah. is just a. It's a victim of like post production cutting where they had to like leave a bunch of stuff on the floor to yeah. shave off forty five minutes of the movie, and so you then can't, you almost think they should have just cut that scene totally but out. They, contractually had to have it because it sets up the infinity stones and it sets up the reason that thor uh, wakes up vision when they cut off all the power he goes back because he sees vision in his little like water pond vision but which is where vision gets his name yeah but like it's you know when thor's first having his vision before he does the bathtub scene in my mind even though it's not a bathtub but he you see like a quick cut of the Infinity Stones in the gauntlet, mm-hmm. and you see a quick cut of Vision's eyes uh-huh. opening, but nothing is explained. Obviously, well, Thor—it's explained in that that haphazard way where Thor shows up and he's like, "I had 15 minutes of my compl- of my arc cut out of this movie, so let me just explain real quick." Yeah, the Infinity Stones, this Vision, this yeah. I saw this. I don't know, but this. <laughs> And it sucks because you can really yeah. tell that Joss Whedon was like aiming everything on having this movie be the movie that he had written. Yeah. Because everything was so tightly connected to one another that you take anything off and all of the other wheels, it's like removing a bearing from the wheel. It's just not going to turn as quickly and smoothly. It's going to start making noise. It's going to look like shit. Yeah, you got to get your tire fixed, dude. Yeah. I'm just saying. You got to fix your tire. But, um, all right. Okay. I think I'm ready to move on. To our special friend, Clint Barton. Because mm. I need a pick-me-up at this point. He is... What a great idea this is. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. It, it really redeems the character after the initial Avengers. You're just kind of like, whatever, Hawkeye, you're yeah. lame. He is uh, <laughs> the most Joss Whedon character of all of them. He really... I mean, like, he really is the only one that's written Hawkeye. Well, he's the most human. Well, no, no. Thinking about it, like, Hawkeye in all the movies... 
He's in Thor for just teensy bit. Mm -hmm. And up to this point, Joss Whedon's the only one who writes Hawkeye dialogue. Okay. He shows up in Civil War. Yeah. Um, but I think at that point now, his character has been so informed by the dialogue and the attitude that Joss Whedon has brought to the page and the character and Jeremy Renner as an right, actor. Right. I think it, it, it transcends and moves on beyond that. Yeah. Uh, this is such a great way to, like you said, like humanize him and, and even more, even though he's probably like the weakest of all the Avengers. And well, that's the, the idea. He's the one that's such an easy target. Yeah, he is. He has. I mean, Tony Stark is human, but Tony Stark has his brains and science to create Iron Man to protect him. Mm -hmm. Hawkeye is just good at bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and he's. I mean, Black Widow is also human, but. She's a super spy. She's I mean, in the same spy. way that yeah, Hawkeye is, so. too. Yeah, yeah, they just use different weapons. I yeah. mean, they're, the, they're always doing like. Crazy little flippy flips. True. That I really like their fight in the Avengers because like it's these two formidable yeah. uh, guys like who are like best matched. friends and right. they know they know how each other moves. Right. They know yeah. how to anticipate each other's moves. I like in this but Black one, Widow's fucking stronger, so she wins. <laughs> I like in uh in Age of Ultron that we don't have to see Clint's like weird addled brain. Because he's like, oh, hell no, I've already had my brain played with. And yeah, he yeah. kind of sticks Scarlet Witch with mm -hmm. his weird electrocution arrow or whatever that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we get to go see his home in the middle of nowhere. We see his, we see his, his little wife. We see and his, his wifey and his kids. And his little kitties. Who are tiny agents, according to Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Well, because they don't know. Uh, no Natasha's one knows. is the only one that knows. Yeah. Yep. We get to see them uh, pull apart the woodpile. Which is great. Sets up some good banter. We get uh, one of the best lines of the movie. Probably second best line of the movie, which is, you know, I've always... Uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I have, so like, I'm waiting for you. I have like vodka in my head. Vodka uh, brain? With uh, uh, Hawkeye's <laughs> wife, she says, like, uh, you know, I've always uh, like said you can keep doing your avenging. Oh, right. I've always supported your avenging. Yeah, I've always supported, supported your avenging. Like, great line. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, she also makes the point of being like, you know, he like poses the question like, oh, you think they don't need me? And she's like, no, I think they do need you, mm -hmm. which is more scary because he's humanizing. He's like bringing them to earth. Mm -hmm. And this again, too, as sweet as it all is, this is uh, the beginning, like the groundwork that Joss Whedon continues to do throughout the movie of making the audience think that Hawkeye is going to die. Mm. I definitely thought he was. Leading up to one of the best reversals in like yeah. modern movie making where it's just like, I mean, I don't mean to like be crazy with it like in terms like that, but it, he really does build this idea that you think like because it's a blockbuster Marvel movie that this is how it's going to turn out because they're being so obvious about it. Like, well, honey, I sure hope you come back. Don't worry, honey. I will. Remember, I always love you. Like, and they always bring things up like that. And then when yeah. Hawkeye's put in a situation where well, like, he can sacrifice himself to save somebody, you're yeah. like, well, here it comes. And then there's the reversal of Quicksilver coming in and sacrificing himself. Well, I kind of like the idea that Hawkeye is really the only dad of the Avengers. He's the one that he's the only one that's got a family because they're yeah. all outsiders. So in that way, he's kind of like, oh, the Maximoff twins. They're a couple of kids. Like, they need to be put in their place. They need to show some respect, There's blah, blah, blah. A, There is not. But he there, also gets it, that, it's, like. It's not an accident that no, he has a boy and a girl. Yeah, so it's it's like that, uh, you know, him being able to be like, well, you didn't see that coming to Quicksilver. But then also him giving his ridiculous pep talk to Scarlet Witch being like, 
It's good pep talk. Yeah, it's good pep talk. It's also like, he's like, the world's crazy. I've got a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense. The island is floating. Yeah. We're fighting an army of robots. <laughs> so It's great stuff. Yeah, Jeremy I mean, Renner is just fantastic yeah, as good. his character. He's good. So him as like the weird pseudo, you know, big brother dad figure to them is not lost on the audience. I think you think that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then you see Quicksilver take the bullets. Take it for out, him. And, yeah. and it's like it's the the line is a is a uh, triple reversal. Yeah. Where the first line we hear Quicksilver say is like, "Oh, you didn't see that coming," because yeah. he's talking to Hawkeye, a guy that can see very well. Right. And then Hawkeye says it back to him after he like shoots the glass out mm-hmm. up from under his guy and he mm-hmm. falls down. He's like, "Oh, you didn't see that coming? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That was too quick for you." Mm-hmm. And then it's brought back one more time, where it's him saying it. To that character that they've been trading this little, yeah, this little, little joke at, but it's also forth. to the audience where it's like you thought Hawkeye was gonna die, you didn't see that coming. No, it's true. It's it's yeah. good. And it's it's just goddamn good writing. It's sad. It's good writing. Joss Whedon is a good writer. <laughs> Easy. I'm gonna drink more. All right. What do you want to talk about next? Um, I mean. You like the end, the fight sequence. I think the end it's fight sequence is like the most comic booky thing in the world. Yeah. Like they rip out like a part of like the city Sokovia and they're going up and there's like a gigantic bar of vibranium and he's going to get it it's to a, a certain bomb. distance and then go to, yeah, yeah it's a Tony really Tony Stark's got his way. new Jarvis because Jarvis got killed. Jarvis got killed quotes. and he's got vision now. They create a vision. Yeah, so let's talk about vision before okay. we talk about the end sequence, like end fight scene and what it sets up for the future Let's talk about Vision. Vision's weird. Vision's fucking weird. And I like how weird he looks. He's weird. He looks weird. Like, he I love almost, Paul Bettany. You can tell it's makeup, but it almost looks CGI. Like, it's kind of tricking you. It does look like CGI. But it's all makeup. Yeah. I, it's fucking, it's creepy. It's so fucking weird. So you've got their their uh, their friend who is the Korean doctor scientist. Mm-hmm. And is she a biologist? Is she somebody that's helping facilitate the, like, putting the artificial intelligence into a no. real... No, she is, she's the one that fixed uh, Jeremy Renner's side. Right. And they, they introduced the idea, like, oh, I have a cradle in South Korea where it's like we can fix anything that happens to anybody. Right. And so the idea is Ultron wants to go over there because he wants to evolve into like the next phase where he can be put into like yeah, something that's, that's not what I mean. something that's not human, something that's not robotic, something that is right. But it's a, like like a synthesoid. exactly. But it's like the, the idea of building new tissue and, and formulating mm-hmm. the the DNA together. Yeah, I'm saying that I don't think that she was particularly invested in the idea of installing artificial intelligence. Well, into she's something. under the influence of the she mind gets, stone. Yeah, so she's like, just creating she's a technology anything, that's really. able to heal people and. Yeah. Create new limbs and stuff. Right, and right, right. Pretty much he's like, well, why don't you make the whole thing right. and put me in it? Sure. Yeah. And so they create this uh, they're, humanoid they're, thing they're going to download yeah, Ultron into. Creating the vessel to put Ultron into, essentially. Yeah, with the mind gem attached to it. Now, is that was that always the idea or is that just Ultron being like, I'm going to put this in here to power it? What idea? Of putting the Mind Stone in. Like, was that... That's his idea. Would that have worked without the Mind Stone? Like, would Vision be able to be alive without the Mind Stone or no? Because that's the idea. Well, we don't know. And that's one of the questions that, like, Infinity Infinity War War. is asking is, will that still... Because the Mind Stone is... Is a power. Is a power source. Right. But we don't know if it's what's actually powering, like, the thing that is living inside of the Vision's body right now. Right. 
which is like essentially a program kind okay. of thing. Um, I think Ultron's whole point of putting the Mind Stone in there is that it would uh, it it it's where it's how he was able to create all of like yeah, Ultron and everything like make that. Him unstoppable. Where he came from, so yeah. I think he kind of like wants to attach it to the body and stuff like that. And he's only able to download like fifty percent of himself into it. Gets in a car chase, really cool car chase. Yeah, going through South Korea yeah. where Captain America fights Ultron, which is like so fucking cool. It's just like this Steve Rogers, Captain America fighting like a gigantic robot. I know. It's kind of a weird car chase scene, mm-hmm. you know, which is the first major time that that's been used in, in these movies. It's like, I mean, there's always like sequences. Car chases? Yeah. But like, this is like the biggest, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Because Avengers gets the most money. I mean, there's a pretty yeah. decent car chase in, scene in Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But... And... Uh... I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of has, like, a quote-unquote car chase scene. But, yeah, no, you're right. Like, this is, like, the biggest one where they're, like, the fucking semi-truck, like, flies up in the air. And now it's no longer on the road and it's up there. Yeah. And Civil War also has, like, a really good one, too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, And then... uh, So Jarvis gets put into... Jarvis? The vessel. Well... Jarvis gets put into the vessel to fill up the rest of the code that's not there from Ultron. So is it the idea that there's still part of Ultron in there? There's part of Ultron's programming, but it's not Ultron's consciousness. So it is a combination. And technically, Ultron's programming is the Mind Stone, technically. But it's... It's also Tony. This is where it's getting very scientific, where it's like Tony's in there, Ultron's in there, and Jarvis is in there, and Tony built Jarvis. So... Vision, at the end of the day, is like Ultron's son, where it's like he created the body and he downloaded about 75% of himself in there. And then Tony and Bruce, as like these kind of like uncles and like and granddad, kind of like went in and finished it up. And then Thor like electricity and brought him brought him back. Right. So it was like low on power and then Thor pounds on him with his hammer. It's not low on power. They're 97% complete. And they obviously have to get to 100. And uh, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Captain America show up. And Captain America's like, yo, guys, what Quicksilver the fuck pulls are the you plug. doing? And Quicksilver yeah. unplugs all the electricity. So That's what at, I mean. They were at 97%. And th- so there's no more power being generated to it. All right. That's and, what I mean. They were low on power. Yeah. No, the power's cut off. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. And then so then <laughs> Thor shows up and he's just like, I got power and does it. Yeah, brings exactly. him up. Yep. So... Vision is technically Ultron's son in the same way that Ultron is Tony's son. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, okay. th- like in that kind of way where, like, obviously Ultron isn't actually Tony's son, but Tony made him. But that Ultron made Vision in a sense where, like, Tony was able to just like kind of finish it up at the end. But Vision is different in the sense that he has his own kind of consciousness because. Mm-hmm. Excuse Ooh, bless me. you. Woo! Bless you. Because Scarlet Witch is like, oh, he's dreaming. Like she can actually mm-hmm. feel that's his mind where she couldn't e- with Ultron. Before he's even turned on. Right. It, that's the idea. It's like there's a consciousness that the Mind Stone is putting into the body before Ultron or Tony and Bruce even insert Ultron or Jarvis into it. There's right. something in there right. that when Ultron and Jarvis are put in there, it forms with it and creates its own person. That's when he wakes up, he says, I'm not Ultron. Right. I'm not Jarvis. Yeah. I'm, I am. Right. So he's a new thing. He's a new thing. He sees Thor's cape. He likes it. He's super sweet. <laughs> he makes himself a cape. It's very sweet. And yeah. 
He picks up Thor's hammer. He picks up Thor's hammer, no problem. Take this, bro. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So Thor deems him worthy of holding on to the stone. Mm -hmm. And he also has the like weird agreement with Ultron. Like he doesn't want to destroy Ultron. He sees like some interesting things about Ultron. He's like, oh, he's his own thing. He's hurting. He's very interesting. I don't want to destroy him. But at the same sense, he's going to destroy all of the human race. So he can't let that happen. So we have to. Yeah. It's like he's saying, he's like, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm on the side of life. Yeah. And Ultron is interesting to me. But at the same time, he cannot do, he cannot be allowed to do what he wants to do. Yeah. So he decides to help the Avengers. And uh, so that's when they go back to uh, Sokovia. Right. And that's where we get our big last fight where, like, there's not a whole lot going on. It's pretty much just, like, a bunch of, like, really good, like, cool fist pump moments. Robots Mm -hmm. fighting. Uh, Third best line of the movie. Which one? Uh, Captain America is fighting Ultron at the end of a bridge. Ultron goes into one of the drones. Ultron starts, like, a little, like, monologue. Like, you're never going to win. And Captain America throws his shield into him. Magnets... It back off and the robot just falls over the side of the bridge. And he goes like, what was that? You didn't mm-hmm. finish. Mm-hmm. It's just, God damn it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny and entertaining and it keeps you in the moment. And it's just, it's goddamn good writing and goddamn good directing. And Chris Evans is awesome. <laughs> His hair is not awesome in this one, though. No, yeah. There's He's a, wearing there's a, a couple bad parts rug in this Avengers Where the movie. rug really shows. It's really just not as good as... When he's actually in his Captain America films, I don't know if 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 he's like, yeah, for my movie, I will use my real hair and dye it, but for this, I'm gonna use a blonde toupee. Yeah, no, I think it's. Um, I mean, I don't know even know if like it actually is a toupee in this movie. I just think the hair just looks a little fake. Woo! It just doesn't. I don't look know. Right. I don't. I know right. it's fake in Avengers because it's longer. But then I remember <laughs> like for Winter Soldier, he cut it. So it could be his real hair, but God knows. It it, it looks otherworldly. It does. It's the most outer galactic thing in this movie Ooh. is Chris Evans' hair. <laughs> uh, we get a bunch of other stuff, too. You know, that's not really like I really like the um, the last action scene. But, you know, we're definitely running a little long on this. And is there anything that you really like about the, the last action scene? Um, I, I like once it's tied up that it kind of sets up for Thor Ragnarok for Hulk kind of being like, I can't be a part of this anymore. So no, you're going to after the action after. scene. So yeah. no, yeah, no, that's yeah. all totally fine. Yeah. Cause like, it's, it's really just like a bunch of gags and fun stuff to like watch. And you yeah, can't I mean, really we talk already about talked about it. Hawkeye. We talked about Quicksilver, mm-hmm. you know, I, those were the things that I, yeah, those are my big takeaways. Ones. Scarlet Witch, uh, pulling Ultron's heart out. Right. Uh, like it felt like this. And, but before she does that, Ultron's just laying there, and it looks like his like his his body is like a little broken where he can't get back up, mm-hmm. and he's just laying there, and the 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 city is about to fall, and Ultron says, uh, he says to um, Scarlet Witch, he's like, Wanda, you can't be here, you'll die, mm. and he says it in a way where he's like. No, like, don't uh, don't die. Is this one of the instances where you felt sympathetic? You feel really sympathetic for him, where he's like. I fucked up. I he failed. He doesn't want to save human I can life, still but he feels bad get about Wanda. He likes Wanda. Yeah, well, can't do that when you're can't the bad guy. Can't do that when yeah. you're the bad guy. Yeah, and then she rips his heart out. Yeah. And 
you kind of feel bad for him because he's he's just a child. He's just he's only been alive for like three or four days. Yeah. And he's he doesn't have the temperament to be able to learn, and he got that from his fucking dad. Sure. You know, so he's a victim of his dad in that sense. I mean, he doesn't deserve to win, but I also think at the same time he deserves like the tiniest bit of sympathy from the audience in that one little moment where it's just like, oh man, you didn't you didn't go about this all right. No. And I think he gets that. And I think he feels sad that he put Wanda in danger at the well, end. Well, he's he's the symbol for what Tony was trying to do. Yeah. Like, like Tony didn't go about it the right way. Mm-hmm. Peace in our time. But his intentions were good, mm-hmm. which is also Ultron. So his intentions are to better humanity and evolve and give him the opportunity. But the way he's going about it is not right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So well, yeah, then we get a little Civil War set up. Uh, Civil War set up. So there's tension. Tony is uh, going to stop being Iron Man again. Uh, he's taking a time out. He's taking a time out. He's got to make things nice. It's the same thing people have argued. Like, I thought... I thought Tony stopped being Iron Man at the end of Iron Man 3. And it's like, no, he didn't. He realized that he's just Iron Man and he got rid of his suits and he's starting over. Yeah, he's just taking a break. Yeah. No, he's just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with Pepper for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this new Avengers facility new Avengers in facility? upstate New York, upstate Hudson New York. Valley. Hudson Valley. Uh, with your new Avengers. So you've got... Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Falcon. Vision. Falcon. Vision joining. Yeah. And Black you've got Widow. Black Widow, who's sad. And yeah, she's had a pretty fucking rough life. So she's going to just throw herself back into work. Yep. Makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. And this is another thing, too. And uh, we've got with you Black know, Widow. Hulk it, riding off into the we don't know where. Yep. And on his spaceship in stealth mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Nick Fury shows up and he's just like, we can't track him. Right. So and and yeah. that'll set it up for Thor Ragnarok. He's going to go find Jeff Goldblum. Totally. Mm-hmm. And have a good time. With Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, <laughs> the movie is a lot of fun. It's uh, very busy. Yeah. It's a very busy movie. There's a lot going on, but I think that it gives all of the characters, you know, thinking about the fact that Joss Whedon had to contractually have this many characters and this many new characters in it and do this and do that. I think it's really a testament to his talents and his admiration and love for the comics to be able to give each of these characters their own shining moment give each of these characters their own arc however small or large it might be i think age of ultron is a really good movie i think it's a very good movie i think it's not as good as something like the winter soldier or guardians of the galaxy or even the first avengers i agree with that but i think it's i think it's a very competent movie for the the things for that we're throwing at it and for what it's trying yeah. to accomplish. And it's talking about things, too. Right. It's not only giving all of these characters their own arcs within the characters as characters that we know them from other movies, but it's also dealing with, like, again, legacy and consequences and stuff like that. It's it's a well-put-together movie. Yeah. It's just not very well executed in the end. The, the end product has, like... It's missing like a quarter of the movie. Yeah. And we can talk about this, you know, when we start talking about phase three next time. But like, I almost feel like Captain America's Civil War does a better job of accomplishing the like stress and breakup of the Avengers. Yeah. Than Age of Ultron does. Well, because Age of Ultron isn't about them breaking up. Right. Age, Age of Ultron is about bringing up the questions, should they be doing what they're doing? Right. And then at the end of the day, they're forced to look at themselves and go, 
am I supposed to be doing this? Right. That's why half the half of them fucking leave at the end. Sure. Hawkeye retires. Yeah. Tony's like, oh, I got to think about this. Thor's yeah. like, I got to deal with my own shit. He's got to go home. And they just leave Captain America, even Hulk, like, jets out. Right. Captain America and Black Widow are the only two left from the they original have Avengers. They new, new crew of Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then we get the end credit scene of, of Thanos. It's the worst end credit scene in any yeah. of the movies. Yeah, what is it? That got nothing. That's got nothing to do with the movie I'm I'll watching. I'll do it myself. Guess I'll do it myself. What are, you, what are you doing? Well, I mean, it does if you're trying to piece it together with the Infinity if Stones. If they're trying to piece it together with the Infinity Stones, but other than that, it's got nothing to do with the movie. Fair. Having Thanos like stand up at the end of the first Avengers, it's like, oh, well, who's Luke, Loki working for? Right. It makes sense. And this one, it's like, what do you mean? Do what yourself? Yeah. What did somebody do that they failed at that now you have to go do? Well, I mean, it's kind of meant to leave it with you questioning it, right? Unless you've read the comics. That would have been a better thing, like, at the end of the first one, where it's like, oh, Loki fucked up going to get or the, the Tesseract. Or the end so of Guardians. I guess I'll go do it myself. <laughs> yeah. This one, it's like, guess you'll go do what yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess so. I also would have liked a, just another fun second throwaway and credit yeah, scene. Yeah, there's, there's only one, like... I would have been okay with a, there's like another a mid, Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, there's a mid-credit scene, and then there's, like... Yeah, there's no, nothing the, at the The end. Howard the Duck one is, like, the yeah. best one. Like, what do you want? Yeah, it's okay. Well, the Winter Soldier one is probably the best yeah, one. Winter Soldier one's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, that's so wrap good. wrap it up? Wrap it up. Uh, Age of Ultron gets uh, one thumbs up from me out of one thumb. Yeah, it's like a half thumb for me. Half thumb for you? Yeah, That's it's fun. like a, I'll take a half thumb. You know, they're they're not gonna live or die. It's I'm still deciding. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's good. It's good, but like you said, I like good way to. Break I like the into first one better. Three. Yeah, it's, it does its job. Mm-hmm. I upon later viewings, I liked it more. Mm-hmm. When I first saw it in the theater, I was a little disappointed. But we can do. I think it's a good uh, like culmination of phase two, like as like an end thing, in yeah. the same way that the Avengers was. Like it was a simpler time. Everybody had their own movies, yeah. and now we're making the Avengers their on screen together. And there in Phase a, Two, yeah. we were like, "Oh, people are in there Iron Man." There's a lot more 3. pressure and expectation. Yeah, for there's Game a bunch Ultron. of people in Iron Man Three. There's a bunch of people in Thor. There's a bunch of people in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yeah, you know, they just came off of Guardians of the Galaxy coming out. Uh, like, I think it was even just like, a, I mean, God, it was like, I think Guardians of the Galaxy came out like August of yeah. 2014. And then this one took all the way till May, May. of 2015. So they yeah. had a big separation. Right. So I'm pretty psyched to talk about Phase 3 coming up because there's some damn good movies in Phase 3. Oh, well, we're going to have to wait until next time for that one. There you go. All and right. so are you, listener. Thank you so much for joining us while we talk about the Phase 2 movies plus Avengers Age of Ultron. Please make sure to join us. <laughs> join us? Yeah, join us. Join Join us. On future podcast episodes by going to storyscreenbeacon.com, where you can find all of our podcasts, plus all articles and reviews by local people around the Hudson Valley that are writing some really cool stuff about movies and TVs. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on any little guy that you got going on here. Hopefully you're already subscribed, but also rate definitely review helps us out a lot <laughs> um and so until next time excelsior Ooh.
third stomach. Was it mine? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that was mine right there. Okay. Well, maybe it's been mine the whole time. <laughs>